in the heart of Beer City, USA. Two men, one journey, to create a sports show unlike any other. Unfiltered, raw, and honest. One of them played a soccer goalie opposite Ben Stiller. The other once scored six points on Steph Curry. These guys know their sh. Let's go! Tank Spencer, Jeremy Green, the Sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. Low prices, love the savings. And Fred Anderson Nissan of Asheville. And welcome into the Sportsocracy on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, 1400. And the Sportsocracy heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Also seen everywhere on YouTube. Just go to thesportocracy.com, click the live video link, subscribe to the channel, join us in the chat, and you too can uh, weigh in on the football topics of the day. Because, yes, there is a little downtime, but that doesn't mean we have to switch gears to the NBA. We will talk some college basketball coming up at 4 o'clock this afternoon with Jones Angel, the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, to talk about that, uh, well, for lack of a better term, that grumper against the uh, Pittsburgh Panthers last night in Chapel Hill. We'll get all the uh, all the details from Jones Angel on that again at 4 o'clock this afternoon. But, uh, well, I mean, while we're just waiting for the Super Bowl to roll around, Jerry Jones always got to give you something to talk about, right, Jeremy? He just can't stop. I, I mean, and I can't figure out for the life of me is this really what you think you should be doing or is it the only choice you have? So Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, both uh, talking at senior bowl media day or whatever it was. And what was the, what was your big problem with what was said? That they want Zeke to come back, that they want to extend Dak Prescott. Well, Mike McCarthy, he's going to be calling plays, and, and we're going to look to really channel what he did in, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. That That's like casting me to be the lead in, oh, I don't know, anything. That, that would be like casting me to be the lead in Cats. Um, <laughs> a, I hate cats. B, I can't dance. And C, I don't want to. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, it, it, you do kind of fit the role. You've got enough hair. And sometimes you do have that resting, like, grumpy cat face. So I have a horrendous headache. That is why I'm <laughs> in that boat today. It's also why I'm not wearing a hat, which is very rare. Uh, it is. It is. I like the, I like the quaff, though. It's uh, it, it it looks well kempt for for a change. The thing I don't understand is that you're you're so we're we're to this point of the off season, which is where you should be selling hope. Mm-hmm. And there's this team and one other team that can you just don't say anything, just don't say words because every word that comes out of your mouth makes me feel worse about you than I did before. Right. All right. So uh, yeah, yeah, because. First off, the, the Mike McCarthy thing. Mike McCarthy calling plays. That's a bad idea, right? I mean, we he remember how the end came for him in Green Bay. Well, it was horrendous at the end. Yeah, and it all was, of the criticism. And that's the thing that I think that bothered me so much was that Jerry Jones says we're going to steer into the evolution of what happened in Green Bay. You mean he crashed it into the rocks? Right. 
for his first six years in Green Bay. Offense was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Hits a little speed bump in 2012. Rebounds for a couple years. It was never good again. No. It was never good again, not for one, not even for a stretch of games in one of these seasons. No. And the big criticism of, of Mike McCarthy is the game has passed him by. His, his, you know, his offensive scheme is stale. We heard all of this. Aaron Rodgers talked about it after the, after the separation was gone. And then, of course, they brought in uh, Matt LaFleur. And I'm not, not sure he's vastly better than Mike McCarthy, but the records have been better at least. Well, the records have been drastically better. And so now you've you've basically handed this entire offense to Mike McCarthy. I opined earlier in the week that this is the it's the only scenario really that you had. But why did you let Kellen Moore walk out the door? That 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 part of this still doesn't make any sense to me. All right, so if you're setting Mike McCarthy up as the fall guy, he would be the fall guy in a bad year anyway. Mm-hmm. And you just let a good offensive coordinator. Did you notice he was unemployed for about 15 seconds? There's a reason for that. It's not because he's mediocre. And this is what Jerry does. This is the reason that the Dallas Cowboys have been this team for six presidential terms. Because Jerry is loyal to a fault, and he always chooses the wrong side of these arguments. Mm -hmm. It was Jimmy Johnson in the 90s. It was Bill Parcells in the early 2000s. And here we are again. Because here's what I think happened. Kellen Moore looked at this and went, I'm getting tired of being attached to this buffoon because he's the one that has final say. Maybe I'm calling the plays, but he's the one that has the final kill shot. Right. And I'm tired of being judged for him. So I want out of here. And Jerry, being the loyal guy that he is, went, you just run all along wherever wherever he'll hire you. And there he goes. And guess what? He's going to be in the playoffs next year with the, with the L.A. Chargers. With a good young quarterback, probably a head coach in this league. Mm-hmm. And what does Jerry have? A coach that fell out of 2008, a quarterback that is, I'll be nice and say average. I don't really think he is. He's paid like a superstar. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott's paid like a superstar. He's, he's quite average. And, and they're all mediocre. And what does mediocrity do in the NFL? regress mm-hmm. it's it's just a train wreck to me and i look around the nfl and you have philadelphia in your own division that basically had somebody in the division say nick sirianni's got a free ride which we're going to talk about later in the show mm-hmm. a he ain't wrong b the point that he was trying to make and he probably didn't say it in the greatest way is it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to, to to coach this Philadelphia team. Right. Do you see anything that you can do here to catch up to that? I don't care Jalen Hurts' money. I don't care about the contract. I don't care about any of it. And for me, being the guy that beats the drum of don't pay mediocre quarterbacks, don't pay good quarterbacks, elite money. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I care. Because I'm just looking at Philadelphia going, oh, I'm not worried about Dallas. But because you're you have this drive to be a Super Bowl contender, you have none of the t- the, the assets to do that. Mm-hmm. See, the the Sean Payton thing screwed it up for me. Like I didn't have a problem with this, knowing that there was a fallback plan. 
that the fallback plan would be if Mike McCarthy runs this thing into the dirt, calling the plays next year, which is a very real possibility, then they could go back to the Sean Payton well because he's what not taking a changed? job. What would it have changed? It would have at least given hope. To, to would, what? To the Dallas Cowboys. In what regard? It's the same thing Jerry has done for 40 years. Turn to the guy that I know that I can somewhat control. Because if you think Sean Payton is going to do to Jerry Jones what he did to Mickey Loomis, I've got oh, a, a hundred bridges to sell you. Mm-hmm. It, it, for me, that changes nothing. I said this earlier this week. Sean Payton is Mike McCarthy with a better PR team and a much more photographable face. I'll give him that. He looks a lot better on camera because uh, Mike McCarthy looks like you about, I don't know, 17 months ago. <laughs> he is he's a little little pudgy. He looks like Kirby. And for whatever reason, there is something about that doughy ex- exterior that you add that to all of the other things. I just look at this and go, okay, so you went, what, 12 and 5 this year? Mm-hmm. I will bet you any amount of money you want to bet. I don't care what it is. Whatever you want. Bet you don't go 12 and 5 next year. Because I'm looking around this division going, Washington has a young quarterback. Yes, Sam Howell is a good young quarterback, and that's going to be the starter in Washington. And I think that's better than Taylor Heineke. The New York Giants have the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be shoehorned into Daniel Jones, but I at least believe y- y- that you're trending in the right direction. And Philadelphia is light years ahead of you. So why do I care? What The Dallas Cowboys have gotten to a point for me, and this is going to sound like a slight to the team that I say this about, and it's not, and I'll tell you why after I say it. The Dallas Cow- the difference between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints right now is negligible at best. Okay. I feel both of you are as much of a long-term threat as the other. The difference, New Orleans is trying to blow it up. They're trying to get out of what Sean Payton and the brain trust did to them to make them pseudo-competitive. Jerry, he's fine just living in it. Jerry Jones is the wealthy guy that's fine living in the 2,500-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath house because it's comfortable. Part of the Ezekiel Elliott discussion, though, is we we want to keep Zeke around, but we don't want to pay him there. We don't want to pay him $10.9 million or whatever he's supposed to be due next year. Good luck. If you think he's giving money back, you're out of your mind. Mm -hmm. See, that's the thing that I've always felt like bit Jerry is that he was loyal to a fault, but he never got loyalty back. Dak Prescott, did he take $1 off that deal? No. No. Ezekiel Elliott, did he take a dollar off that deal? Not yet. No, and he's not going to. CeeDee Lamb, you think he's going to save him a dollar? Dalton Schultz, you're getting ready to let him walk out the door. Why? Because nobody has the loyalty to you. Mm -hmm. Jerry Jones has become like that simple friend that we all had that would pick up bar tabs so you'd hang out with him. I guess I could see that. I'll pay you way more money than anybody else will just so you'll stay here and be a Dallas Cowboy. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys by cutting Ezekiel Elliott, they could they could save like six million dollars, and they're not going to. You don't think that so? was one of the things he said in the press conference? Is Zeke is going to be here because he doesn't get it. At this point, there are forty running backs in the NFL better than Ezekiel Elliott. That's not even vaguely debatable to mm-hmm. me. 
And I'm looking at a path here where they could let Tony Pollard walk out the door and keep Ezekiel Elliott. And it wouldn't shock me in the least. Oh, if they did, that'd be hilarious. It wouldn't shock me in the least. That'd be hilarious. Because that's what they do. Yeah. I, I mean, and then Steven chimed in with uh, the Zeke talk, talking about how uh, Zeke hasn't taken a step back. No, he's taken 48 Seriously? steps back. I mean, unless you're talking about towards a buffet, of which he's taken many steps towards those. At this point, Ezekiel Elliott and I have the exact same body type. He's an NFL running back, and I'm a loudmouth on the radio that drinks 48 <laughs> domestic lights a week. So that Zeke is not in decline as a player, and that you just can't define what Zeke does for us as a football team. He's a great mascot because he does look like uh, one of them, uh, one of them Ewoks from. Uh, he, he does from Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, from Space Bears. Yeah, I mean, he has four great plays a year, and they seemingly all seem to revolve around that Salvation Army bell that's in the end zone. <laughs> when he scores Maybe you should just leave yeah. that out there all year long, because that seems to be the only time he's any good. Is and the he... funniest part of Dallas to me uh -huh. is that they're not even the most clueless team in blue. You're bad. At least you have enough talent to keep you competitive. There is one NFL owner that I'm not 100% sure isn't doing this on purpose. You're in the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. More on that coming up next. The Ingalls 2023 Southern Conference Downtown Dribble and Kids Fest, presented by Champion Credit Union, will be held Saturday, March 4th, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Roger McGuire Green at Peck Square Park. The Downtown Dribble will feature interactive games, inflatables, pet bands, cheerleaders, and parade. Each participant will receive a basketball, Downtown Dribble t-shirt, and a ticket to the noon session quarterfinal basketball games. Check-in will begin at 9.30 a.m. at Roger McGuire Green. To register, visit downtowndribble.eventbrite.com. I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Hyatt-Zach with eXp Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. Everyone's heard about the housing market and this being the best time to sell a house in years, but the same thing applies to cars. Whether you're looking to buy a car, trade in, or sell that car in the driveway collecting dust, Fred Anderson Nissan of Asheville wants to buy your car. They have two on-site managers that work with Kelly Blue Book to give you top dollar for your vehicle. You can even have your car appraised instantly at AndersonNissan.com. Stop in visit them today at 629 Brevard Road, Nashville, or call them at 828-365-1663. The Sportsocracy. You are just dumber than a bag of hammers. Back in the Sportsocracy and that other team in blue? The Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts apparently uh, doing their best job to make Dallas not look like the uh, most clueless franchise right now. So according to Ian Rappaport, they're getting ready to have their third round of coaching third. interviews. Third round of interviews after they just requested a second interview with the eighth guy. They've done eight second interviews. I can't figure out what are you looking for here. 
I, d- I don't know. There are people with metal detectors on beaches that are getting closer to what they're looking for <laughs> than Jim Irsay is. It would appear so. Today- and the saddest part of this is, from everything I've heard, the favorite is still Jeff Saturday. That's insane. If you go through three rounds right. of interviews and still hire Jeff Saturday, you should just cancel the 2023 season. That cannot be right. Today, they conducted the second interview with uh, Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. And he was the seventh second interview that they've done. The eighth that they've requested is another interview with Aaron Glenn, who's the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. I'm almost getting to the point where if I'm a first-time head coach, I'm not interested. No. If I'm Aaron Glenn, I'm out. I'll come back to Detroit. We've got a lot of capital. I'll be able to probably get a better first job in a year. And this is coming from a guy that thinks this roster is not that bad. I am of the belief that Jim Irsay is getting crazier by the minute, and that was a pretty high bar in the first place. But I mean, this is what you do, though, when you can't make up your mind. When, when you, you have hold an people, in, you hold people in limbo. When you have an an NFL owner that in the past has had some of the same predilections as Hunter Biden, and I'm literally saying he's getting crazier. That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. <laughs> Rich Basaccia, Brian Callahan. Ajiro Overo, Aaron Glenn, Raheem Morris, Jeff Saturday. Those are the second interviews. And now you're thinking, we got to do this a third time. I mean, they're so close, we just can't decide. I, I have literally not seen a team. I've never seen a team do this. No. I'm not going to say it's never happened. It, it might have, but I don't remember it. And so you've got an Indianapolis Colts team here that has the number four pick in the draft. We did their offseason preview yesterday. Mm -hmm. They're not in that bad a shape. And you can't seemingly give this job away. So what is your thought on why they're on round three? Because I have one. I think it's maybe it's too many people in the decision-making process. That's part of my theory. I mean, Jim Ursay and uh, Chris Ballard and whoever else is involved in this decision, you just you, – you must have – each of you have a short list of three or four. I feel like the decision-makers here are all doing anything they can to make this not Jeff Saturday. Because I fully believe Jim Irsay walked into this of somebody else is going to have to blow me away. And he's so Chris dr- Ballard and the rest of the brain trust are like, well, just keep throwing people at him until somebody blows him away. He's drunk, no pun intended, on Well, I mean, there's no doubt he's drunk. <laughs> I mean, I got news for you. If you're betting odds, which person is uh, more likely intoxicated actively right now, Jeremy Green or Jim Irsay? He might be the only person on the planet Earth with better odds than me. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, at least I know he's got a full bar in his office. You don't. A, you don't know that. (laughs) B, what are you, a cop? I was going to say, this ain't that big of a studio. I don't think you could could hide that all that well. It's not the only office I have. Ah. that out there. Ah. It makes absolutely no sense why he would want Jeff Saturday to be a part of this. After going one and seven as the interim head coach. I don't even care about the interim head coach part. 
I feel like people are getting lost in what he did in the second half of the year. That was a no-win situation. Mm -hmm. I'm more looking at what exactly did you do to get here in the first place? Like, let's just take out the last eight games of the season. I've already said, with I said this about Steve Wilkes. It is a completely different skill set to come into a team and prop up the last part of the year where you're the new voice in the room. You've, you've gone through the two a days, you've gone through the whole thing, and then you come in and just right off into the sunset. That's a different skill set. Let's say you hadn't seen the second half of this year, and you're on the third interview for the North Carolina Tar Heels broadcast guy. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to the other one in 35 minutes. That'd be like them calling me and going, hey, you want to come interview for our head coaching job? We, we've liked some of the things you've said on air. Well, well I mean, he did play there. And? He, he, he was, so did Pat McAfee. You want to call him? Cons- he was a consultant for the team. I mean, it's not like he's been he was a consultant from the... From, he's been separated from the organization. Yeah, he pretty much was. Uh, he didn't know the offense. That tells me as a consultant, your role was pretty limited. You would be looking at this as a complete farce. It's a guy just out of the broadcast booth that we're going to make the head coach of this organization. Mm-hmm. That's a joke. There's a reason nobody's done it in 50 years. Because it doesn't make any sense. And now the thing that scares me the most is this is the team I am the most confident is taking a rookie quarterback. If you're telling me you're giving me Jeff Saturday, Will Levis won't survive an hour in this league. No. Because it's not like he's putting together a superstar coaching staff. That's the, that is the part of this that's always irked me of why people don't understand how coaching hires get made. It's not just you. It's who are you bringing with mm-hmm. you? And that's all about relationships. So the thing that I feel like is scaring Chris Ballard is he's looking at Jeff Saturday as a hearsay guy. If, if, if he gets this job, the next fall guy is not going to be Jeff. It's, it's going to be me, yeah. which is comically stupid. Mm-hmm. And that's why he would be fighting this so hard because this is going to be his. Well, last he's fighting thing. this so hard because it's dumb. Well, then well, you yeah. add in the the extra layer of well, I'm probably signing my own death certificate, right? And it's just it's it's a disaster. It's an absolute abject disaster. And I am scared to death that C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, or Will Levis is getting ready to walk into this because I just don't see how it works. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been sold on a coaching candidate in two interviews, the third one's probably not going to do it. Just throwing that out there. But they're just so close. We like them all. They're just so close. You see how you laughed in the middle of that? Of course it's I because did. because nobody it's with ridiculous. an IQ above salad dressing believes what you just said. No, because it's absolutely ridiculous. You can't possibly have talked to these people this many times and go, okay, there's just no difference. There's no difference between any of these guys. And we just have to keep doing this. At this point, it becomes monotonous. And not only does it become monotonous for, you know, you doing it, but for your fan base as well, holding on, trying to th- trying to get a gauge on where we're going to go. And it affects your players. What do you think the players are saying? But DeForest Buckner's got to be looking around going, right. I should have been playing in the NFC Championship game. 
and I got traded here, and we have done nothing but backslide since. Right. I mean, this is every day you don't make a decision or at least give a give some idea that you know which direction you want to go, you're losing people. Oh, I mean, and the bad thing is that this is not uh, – Alex S. asked us in the uh, YouTube comments, is this a harder job to take than Arizona? It shouldn't be. Mm-mm. I wouldn't think so. Because you have better facilities in Indy. You have, a, to me, a, a much better roster. You have a much better GM because I know what Chris Ballard is. I, I'm guessing with Monty Ossenfort. This should be the layup. I mean, and if you look around, just notice that, I mean, they got interviews with the highest tier guys. Mm-hmm. Do you notice they didn't get second interviews with any of the highest tier guys? D'Amico Ryans, Dan Quinn, Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. Mike Kavka, all those guys went, mm, yeah, I think I'm okay. Either took other jobs or there's no been uh, there's been no second interview. And that all leads back to one thing. They get in a room with Jim Irsay and go, you're absolutely out of your mind. Absolutely. We talk about Jerry Jones hampering the Dallas Cowboys' potential growth. And here's Jim Irsay, as you said, pretty much just showing him up. Well, I mean, you got to say, there's, a, there's a lot of kooky things about Jim Irsay anyway. I mean, at the NFL owners' meetings and all these different things, any basically anywhere the owners congregate, do you know what Jim Irsay does at these events? What? He has his own golf cart mm-hmm. that, that he rides around in. He's got somebody driving him around. He's wearing a suit with, with tennis shoes, just smoking heaters, doing interviews with the press, talking to people. That's weird. It's not weird for me to do it. I don't own the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> I'm not a billionaire. I've gotten to the point with NFL ownership. If we talk about you with any level of frequency, mm-hmm. it's probably a bad thing. I'd agree with that. It's probably a bad thing. Yeah. It's kind of like your attorney. If I know your attorney's name, that's probably a bad sign for you. Because it means that we've gone down this road enough times that you've had to do this. I mean, just think about it. The owners we talk about the most, what do all their teams have in common? They're all either lackluster or disappointing. Mm -hmm. You don't ever hear about, I'm just trying to think of one off the, the Hunt family with uh, Kansas City. I'll be really honest with you, outside of the one that's on Instagram all the time, I couldn't tell you one of their names. (laughs) I remember Clark, but he passed away years ago. Right. I couldn't tell you another member of that ownership group. Jennifer? I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. I know the daughter's name is Gracie. Gracie, that was it. Gracie's the daughter. She was like Miss Missouri, mm-hmm. and she's on Instagram yeah. a lot. A lot. <laughs> and Jeremy's Which is fine. on her page a lot. Okay. Just, <laughs> what are you, a cop? <laughs> No, it, it makes absolute sense. If it's more about the owner, then there's probably a problem with the product. That would make me a little nervous with Carolina, too. Because David David Tepper seems to be interjecting himself a lot. Is he? I see his face way more often than I should. And now, the Frank Reich hire, to me, home run. And now, if you just kind of fade into the sunset and we start seeing Frank more, okay, you learned your lesson. 
You learned your lesson from Matt Rule. I rescind what I just said. Arthur Blank did this for a long time. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how often you used to see Arthur Blank? All the time on All the sidelines. The time. Yeah. We used to call him Cruella DeVille's husband. Absolutely. You notice you don't see him much anymore? Yeah, but his team still sucks. It, because the roster was awful. <laughs> right. He learned his lesson. They, he took his shot being the loud vocal guy. Then he went, you know what? I'm going to be a fan's owner, build the stadium, lowest concessions in the league, cheapest get-in price in the league. We just want you in our building. Turn it over to Arthur Smith. I trust him, and now you never see him. Mm -hmm. He's got almost completely gray hair now. I don't know if you knew that or not. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he stopped using Just for Men or if Jeff Saturday stole his. I, Ryan Day, maybe he stole it. <laughs> Cruella stopped letting him use the hair dye. I guess. The more I see your owner, more, more often than not, the worse off you are. You are in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. When we come back, it'll be time to get just a bit outside. Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community, one that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. Running a small business is no small task. At Home Trust Bank, we work hard to prepare businesses for whatever tomorrow may bring. Your dreams are our business, and we have local experts who can help you plan for a successful future. Dependable guidance you need and service you'll appreciate. At Home Trust Bank, we take your small business banking personally. Visit your local Home Trust branch or anytime at htb.com. Member FDIC. All right, people, it's Valentine's Day. Everything has to be perfect. Yes, chef. At Ingalls, we know that not every Valentine's Day is four-star perfection with string quartets and swanky restaurants. My boyfriend bought me flowers. That it's not the money you spend or the elaborate lengths you go to. Happy Valentine's Day! It just has to come from the heart. Ingalls, we're with you every step of the way. Boy, you must be outside your mind! The Sportsocracy. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Last night, the temperature got turned up in the Dean Dome. As uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Pittsburgh Panthers had uh, what is now, I mean, it's becoming like a a really tight back and forth kind of a rivalry kind of a game between these two teams. And last night was no different. North Carolina losing 65 to 64 to Pittsburgh the third time in a row that they've lost at home to Pitt. But with Pitt in town, that meant that the Capel brothers were in town. Jeff Capel obviously went to Duke, much hated by the North Carolina Tar Heel fan base. His brother Jason attended North Carolina and apparently hated by some in the North Carolina fan base. I'd So after the game was over, Jason Capel apparently lost his mind. Uh he did. I've seen the video. Uh back in the uh back outside the locker room, he's throwing F bombs around talking about being disrespected by North Carolina and and on and on and on. We can't really figure out though exactly what he's angry about. Oh, I can tell you who he's angry about. Tell me. So he thinks 
I went down this rabbit hole pretty aggressively this morning. He thinks that the social media team mm-hmm. for North Carolina mm-hmm. disrespected him because their game day graphic was of Creighton Lebo. So that's so that so the, you're you're with me. You think that's it as well? A hundred percent. He said the social media team right. disrespected me, or his I can't remember if he said it or if his brother said it. That's the only thing they tweeted out, and I. I don't understand how that's disrespectful because the kid wears your number. Well, Creighton Lebo was the one that was on the game day graphic. He wears number 25, which apparently Josh Capel wore at Carolina or Jason, excuse me, Jason Capel wore at North Carolina and he had his tongue sticking out. And so maybe that he thought that was a tongue sticking out to him because it was the guy that wore their number and, and I mean, you gotta live in like this fever swamp to be able to get there, in my opinion. Jeff said after the game in his press conference that that Tar Heel fans have not been nice to Jason for a long time. That what it was a tournament game a few yes, years. Yes, they played back. Oklahoma when, when when his brother when Jeff was the coach at Oklahoma. They played in the tournament. Jason showed up wearing an Oklahoma shirt, and there were some people mm-hmm. in the crowd that were very nasty to him. Right, and they were they were nasty to him. They you know caused some problems to where to where one of the Carolina former players had to stand up and make them stop. Like you realize this is our guy, and he's just here to support his brother. But here's the thing: like I don't know, I don't know why you thought this was a a shot at you. The person who created the damn thing. They're not old enough to remember you. They were three when he was there. Right, right. Like Literally, they were three. The, yeah. the one that created that graphic was three years yeah. old when, when Jason Capel was It there. had absolutely nothing to do with Jason Capel. And I don't know why you think you're just completely disrespected. One might be, I mean, I get he's your brother, but you're taking sides with a dookie. And here's the other thing. Uh, uh, Jason, we hate your brother more than we love you. And... Sorry about your luck, but you get that stink on you. So I'm really glad you brought up this story, uh, and I had a feeling you would. I thought it was going to happen with Jones Angel. Oh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bring it up with Jones just to see his thoughts. Well, since you brought it up, I get to bring it up to you. Yeah, uh, I actually know Jason Capel, and I have for about 20 years. Okay, he was a counselor of mine at Carolina, mm-hmm. and since we started doing this, he's one of the people that I've stayed in very loose touch with. First of all, Jason Cable is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. The way he was treated at the Dean Dome, from what I have been told, I wasn't there, is, uh, I, I'm going to say that's on you, Carolina. Now, his reaction, if it's about the social media graphic, he thought it was a dig, then the fact that they just railed on him the entire game, it, it just boiled over to a fever pitch. The way he has been treated has bothered me for a long time because this carolina guy you don't do this Mm -hmm. with anybody else Mm -hmm. and it's because of who his brother is absolutely there's no doubt that's why this happened yeah this was jason cable's dream school was carolina and i'm gonna say at this point that relationship has deteriorated to such a point that it's almost persona non grata on both sides i would say there's not much love lost with jason i will say there's not a lot of love lost with the fan base. And I get it on one side and I don't get it on the other. Okay. 
I feel like Carolina fans are wrong here. I understand we're on a Carolina affiliate. You can get mad at me if you want to. I know this. Uh, let me put it this way. I know this situation better than you do. Not you. Metaphorical you. Mm-hmm. And Carolina's in the wrong here. They, at least it started that way. Last night, maybe Jason overreacted. Maybe he just boiled over. I can't tell you. But I can tell you this has been building for a very long time. Look, this ain't the first time. This ain't the first time, and this ain't gonna be. This ain't the last. No, time but at some point, well, at some point, you have to be better than that, and that's my belief. And I get expecting twenty-two-year-old kids to be better than that is a fool's errand. I get it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to have any visceral to Jason Capel. It, it, if you don't want to like his brother, then okay, I get it. He was a Duke guy. He had a, a very famous shot against you. I get it. Jason played for you. He's one of your guys. You don't have to love his brother, mm-hmm. but I don't understand turning on him. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's stupid. I think it's a bad look. And and I'll be really honest with you. If I was a 17-year-old kid, I'd be watching that going, hmm, that's less than attractive. Mm-hmm. Especially when you got Duke right down the street that calls themselves the Brotherhood, and it doesn't matter if you're here for five seconds or five years. You're always embraced back. And then I'm seeing the way you're treating him going, I, you know, it. If they're close, if they're close in my eyes, and I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm a lifelong Florida State fan. Right. A West Virginia guy. I have no dog in this fight. But as time is going on, I'm understanding more and more Mm -hmm. why the the NC State fans hate Carolina more than they hate Duke. I've been in this building a bunch of times, and there's there's some ugly things that get hurled around. Yes, there are. Yes, and my argument would be, I get it against Duke, I get it against the Dukies, but turning on your own guy is a bad look. Yeah, I, I can't tell you why. Look, and I mean, it's not it's not his fault that his brother went to Duke. No, and that's it's I guess that's my fault. point. Right, it's not his what fault he that his brother do? coached against uh, against Duke. It was like the. It was like all the people that got mad when Roy Williams showed up to the Final Four in 2008. Remember, we were we were in the Final Four. We got absolutely smoked in the in, in what by UCLA, I think, and then or or maybe it was Kansas that beat us so bad. And then Roy shows up at the championship game wearing the Kansas gear. I know because he used to coach there, but there were a lot of Tar Heel fans that were really, really ticked off about that. And that's stupid. Of course it is. And that's stupid. But but we call them fans for a reason. Once you turn your back on the family, so to speak. But see, all right, so if the impetus of this was he wore an Oklahoma shirt, I his know. brother is the – that's where this all started. Yeah. I can, oh, that, yeah. that I can totally attest Yeah, I, I, know, I know it did. If that's where this – then how delusional exactly are you? Very. I, because that's like next level kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How can you expect him to side with you over his, over brother. his own brother? Who's right. coaching the team, by the way. Right. It would be one thing if his brother had played at Oklahoma, he played at Carolina, neither one of them are affiliated with the program anymore, and he shows up wearing an Oklahoma shirt. Okay, now I understand why you're – I get your frustration at that. Right. He's the coach of the team. I get it. I get it. I'm not going to lie. The further down this rabbit hole I I went, the more angry I got. And it's because I can 100% attest to you. Jason Capel is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. 
and he has been for 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe stay classy. Maybe look at yourself. Maybe, uh, and I can't emphasize this enough, maybe get a life. Yeah, do better. Maybe get a life. Which is also what I would say to the kooky madooky fans that are taking something Aaron Foster said. He was kidding. Yeah, was he though? He was on the Macro Dosing podcast. It's a Barstool Sports podcast. And basically what he, ex- it, because it, it it explores conspiracies and all. Th- he basically said the NFL scripted. Mm-hmm. Well, this has led people down an absolute rabbit hole. That is just, okay, it's not good. One of my guys, Elijah Vera Tucker, he chimed in on it and said, uh, having a ba- very bad date reading the script week seven. Yeah, that's <laughs> when he blew out his uh, tricep. Right. Stop. Just stop with this. Not everything's a conspiracy theory, and that's coming from a grown man that doesn't think birds are real. First of all, Arian Foster was kidding, I think. Mm. I think. I don't know. Second of all, he has some interesting... Um, views we'll put it that way that's one of the reasons that he's been very persona non grata with the nfl for a long time yep so just, it's not scripted right? and if it is scripted they're doing the worst job of it humanly possible i would agree i have loved the uh the the twitter feed though alvin the, kamara had a the, the twitter responses have been phenomenal most of them have been from players that had serious catastrophic injuries and it was my reaction to yep. the script that week yeah it, i just, it just dumbfounds me that there are people that actually believe this of course and some are. of them believe it really aggressively I, I mean seriously i mean how many how many years have we gone with have you watched political conspiracy x we're not mentioning conspiracies or whatever but oh no the government's rigged I, oh there's no doubt about that <laughs> but i believe a certain thing has happened that didn't really happen and then we find this one person that's kind of credible that can say yeah that's it was exactly that way it was all rigged first, and then first moon landing lone gunman exactly uh, all I, of it i got a few of those all of it from the beginning of time the beginning of conspiracies you get one person who seems legitimate who seems like they know the inside and they're the ones speaking truth to power and this is arian foster has broken away from the stranglehold of the nfl's pr team and now he's revealing the secret that we've all known forever they're making fun of you 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 get that right like you the nfl is rigged people the players are actively making fun of you and they should, to be perfectly honest. And yet, I, you know, one of the things that has been the most borderline shocking to me in the three years we've been doing this is that apparently sarcasm is just lost on some people. There is a, a percentage of people, I have no idea what that percentage is. They are just completely tone deaf to sarcasm. They hear the words come out of your mouth. And they do not listen to the inflection, the tone, the ri- nothing. And it's, it's it, okay, it's wearing me out. Like, all of you people that have sent me messages on Twitter or uh, whatever, reached out through the website, do you really think the NFL's rigged? I think it's why I have a headache today. 
probably. Enough people have asked me this question, and it has just led to a just crippling headache. Uh, one of my favorite responses, uh, Marlon Humphrey. It's me giving up Chase. That was just me following the script. So I got giving up 200 yards to, Chase, to, to Jamar Chase. That was just me following the script. So you can't blame me for that. But Jason Trump said it's the same percentage that lack common sense. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that percentage is actually exponentially higher. Hashtag facts. Uh, common sense ain't so common at this point. You are in the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. Jeremy's bangers for the night coming up next. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Hyatt-Zach with EXP Realty, your native realtor serving all of Western North Carolina. I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. Since man created roads, they've been looking for ways to get off-road and vehicles to take them there. That's where Outlaw Off-Road comes in. A premier off-road center for Jeeps, trucks, and SUVs with a complete lineup of off-road and overland services, including maintenance and repair to make your vehicle all that it can be. Check out their location right here in Western North Carolina at 85 Avery Creek Road. Call them today at 828-974-8480 or visit them on the web at theoutlawoffroad.com. If cleanliness is next to godliness, look around the car right now. Is that very godly? Look, life comes at you fast, but so does WNC Auto Detailing. They have the tools to make your interior look like it's coming off the showroom floor. You don't believe me? Check them out on Instagram. All that filth and years of stains disappear. WNC Auto Detailing does full interior and exterior details with paint correction, and they do wax and ceramic coatings. Call WNC Auto Detailing at 455-3700. Premium care with a Southern Hospitality Touch. Coffee's the closers only. Get him the money! Then when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then when you get the power, then you get the win. Tennessee let me down last night, allowing Florida to go on an 18-3 run in the second half to keep last night down to only 2-2. Two and two. This is Green on Green, brought to you by Ingles Markets. Low prices, love the savings. First, Michigan's a four-and-a-half-point dog at Northwestern. I fully understand this season has not been what Michigan thought it would be. They're only 11-10, and 10 and their NCAA chances have one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. Northwestern, on the other hand, is setting school records and looks like a team that could make its second trip to the tournament in school history. It's when you look deeper that you see the real story here. Michigan's conference schedule was really front-loaded, and the Wildcats have been devouring cupcakes. Upset specials, also my achy-breaky, no mistakey. I'm not even messing with the points. Give me the Wolverines in the money line. They went out right. Number 19, Florida Atlantics at UAB. This game's a pick em. One of my favorite tricks in wagering is to play on overrated public narratives. UAB almost beat the Owls earlier this year on their home floor in an 88-86 thriller that went right down to the wire. That one game is the only thing that makes this line make sense. UAB's lost four of seven cents, and most of them have been against the bottom feeders of Conference USA. Learn the lesson that Gonzaga has taught us for many years. There are only a handful of teams in this conference that can beat FAU. They will be up for this game, will not be caught off guard. Give me FAU and a pick'em. In the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers are a two-point favorite tonight at Indiana. 
LeBron James is less than 100 points away from breaking the all-time scoring mark in the NBA. Tonight, he draws the hapless Indiana Pacers, who feature rookie Benedict Mathurin. Maybe you remember him. He was the kid that said LeBron was going to have to show me he's better than me and then proceeded to play with King James in a Pacers win earlier this year. Call me narrative guy, but this is screaming LeBron puts on a show and then breaks the record at home in a week. Indiana should get Tyrese Halliburton back tonight. Not enough. Lakers minus the two. They win in a walk. Finally, the Dallas Mavericks are a four and a half point favorite tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. Over under is 223. When I first looked at this game, I just assumed it had to be in New Orleans. That would make sense. Dallas only giving four and a half to a Pelicans team that's lost nine in a row and missing its best player in Zion Williamson. Much to my surprise, this game's actually in Dallas. The Bells have had trouble with lead ball dominant guards for years, and Luka Doncic is their king. This game has blowout written all over it. Give me the Mavs. I'll give the four and a half, and I'm going over 223. For all of Dallas's strengths, dealing with length has been difficult, so they may allow New Orleans to hang around longer than they should. For more, follow us on all the social medias at the Sportsocracy. And as always, Green on Green is brought to you by Ingles Markets. Love the savings with Ingles. Love the winnings with me. Mull it out. Go and do likewise, gents. Money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. He's a degenerate gambler. You are a smelly pirate hooker. And he's cheaper than oxygen. He's useless. But somehow, they make it work. Jeremy Green. Tank Spencer. There's no holding back in the sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets and Fred Anderson Nissan of Asheville. And welcome back into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sportsocracy heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, and we are seen everywhere on YouTube. Just go to thesportsocracy.com, click on that live video link. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Join us in the chat each and every day. It is uh, technically a Threadbare Thursday, and so uh, we have pinned to the top of the YouTube chat. Threadbare Thursday, you got a topic you want us to uh, address later on in the program, then you just toss that out. Jeremy, you've been keeping an eye on the Senior Bowl? Uh, yeah. yeah, this is – I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm starting to think that, that a little rumor that I heard – that the Shrine Bowl would be the next Senior Bowl is actually true. Not because the not because there aren't great players in Mobile. There 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 are. This is just a lack of top end talent that I haven't seen at the Senior Bowl in a long time. Yeah, we'll have uh, all of your uh, uh, all of Flostradamus's views on the Senior Bowl throughout uh, the rest of the week later on in this program as well. But first, we got to bring in. The guy we bring in every Thursday at 4 o'clock here on ESPN Asheville, your home for the North Carolina Tar Heels. It is Jones Angel, the voice of the Tar Heels. And uh, Jones, welcome back into the program with us. Uh, wish we wish we had a little higher of a note to be talking uh, basketball today, but last night it was, uh, you know, you got the hot streak just kind of comes to a screeching halt when the Pittsburgh Panthers come to town because uh, th- this is – I said it earlier in the program. This is this is now the, like the newest rivalry we never wanted. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's been a tough stretch uh, for Carolina, certainly against Pitt, and, and credit to them. And Pitt's got a good team this year. I mean, there, there's no question about that. They're an older group um, that, even though they haven't played together necessarily because they have a lot of transfers, um, but they're older guys who uh, who know how to play and are physical players. And, and you know, Jeff Capel's done a really good job uh, with them this year. And, and But, you know, I think the frustrating part for Carolina Tank is that the Tar Heels don't feel like they – yeah, you know, they they played Pitt twice. They lost both times by a combined three points. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think they feel like they played very well in either game. Some of that has to do, of course, with Pitt. Um, both times, Carolina was coming off an extended break, and not to use that as an excuse. I'm just stating a fact. And, and both times, Carolina really didn't shoot the ball very well. I don't know if those two things are related or not. Um, but man, Carolina really struggled to put the ball in the basket. And any time that you shoot. 35%, 18.5% from three, and 59% from the free throw line, it's going to be hard to beat a good team. Mm-hmm. And for Carolina in particular, and it's not just these two guys, but when R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott go a combined 6 of 25 from the floor, it's going to be hard for Carolina the rest of the way to, to beat a good team. And so some of that, again, is, is a credit to, to Pitt. Their, their defense was, was very strong. Um, you know, I do think R.J. Davis's finger that he re-dislocated in that Syracuse game, um, I do think that affected his shot some. He's not normally going to go 3 of 15 and 0 of 6 from 3 and 2 of 4 at the free throw line. And, you know, a lot of those threes were open looks for R.J., which I think most of the time you go, yes, that's a good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just not Carolina's night um, offensively. And, and, again, I think that's a mixture of things, number one being, that Pitt came in and played a really good game and, and won the ball game. And so for the Tar Heels, you know, it's tough, Tank. This is a hard stretch. We talked about it a few weeks ago that it was, it was about to begin with that NC State game where Carolina was going to play eight consecutive games against really solid teams. And so they've played three of them so far. They've won two and lost one. And now it really puts a microscope more so than normal on a Carolina-Duke matchup coming up on Saturday. And then a quick turnaround to a Tuesday road game at Wake Forest. Those are two hard road games back-to-back that now, you know, you don't, nothing's a must-win in early February. But they're games that uh, the Tar Heels would much rather have than not have at this point. Yeah, last night falling 65-64 to to the Pittsburgh Panthers. It's a you, – you, you look at the two teams that you would think that uh, this should be, uh, you know, uh, North Carolina, the more talented team, should be able to kind of impose their will, but that has never been the case or not been the case for a while against Pittsburgh. And it's uh, is it just the the physical style at which they play that they kind of bring that, uh, I don't know, that, that, that old school Big East kind of mentality with them that makes it tough on Carolina? So... I would disagree in saying that I think Carolina should impose its will in this game, except for in one spot, and, and that's at the center position. Because Armando Baycott, I, I think, is a better player than who Pitt has at that spot. And, and I, I say that and then put in the fact that Federico Federico, their starter at the center, uh, is a sophomore and has gotten a lot better even through this year. And and I think Pitt has some good players there and the, the Diaz-Graham twins who play down there as well. But all three of those guys are really young guys. I mean, you're, you're looking at a sophomore that hadn't played a lot last year and then two true freshmen. 
And so Baycott, as a senior, um, that is a spot where I do think Carolina should have been able uh, to have more success consistently than it did. And that's not specifically about Armando, although some of that is about him having a difficult game. Mm -hmm. Some of that is Pitt did a nice job with their team defense to make things more difficult. And some of that is Carolina didn't uh, get Armando Baycott the ball in scoring positions easy enough um, on a consistent basis in that game. Um, the, the rest of the, if you're just going to go position by position, you know, Pitt's got a lot of good older players on his team, just like Carolina has a lot of good older players on his team. So um, I, I don't think in some of those spots um, it's as wide a mark as you might think. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jamarius Burton, for example, and I mean, to me, he's a first-team All-ACC player uh, right now. I mean, I, I think in Baycott is, of course, as well for Carolina, but the, they are two of the, when it's all said and done, maybe seven or eight guys that I think have a really good shot at being a first-team All-ACC member when the season's over. So um, Pitt's got good guys, and, and they're older players, and they're well-coached. Jeff Capel's done a really good job with them, and they've got some confidence. You know, this is not the only game. Um, the two games against Carolina, not the only games that, that Pitt has won at the end. You know, they came back and beat Virginia a couple weeks ago. They just on Saturday closed on an 11 nothing run to beat Miami by two. Um, so they've done this against some other teams as well, where they're a veteran team that makes you play the full 40 minutes to beat them. And that's a credit again to them. Um, now, what do I think the specific challenges of the matchup have been for the Tar Heels? Um, I think some of it is the physicality that Pitt plays with, but I don't think Carolina shied away from the physicality or didn't try hard. Um, but I think that is what Pitt prides itself on, is being even if they're not the more skilled player, they want to be the more physical player and get you flustered. And, you know, R.J. Davis got a technical foul. And um, Armando Baycott, uh, at times, I thought, got taken out of the game by being frustrated that fouls weren't getting called. And so that that's all part of Pitt's goal in, in the way that they play. And I think Pitt has Carolina really well scouted. Um, not that Carolina doesn't have Pitt well scouted too, but I, I think Pitt with Jason Capel being on the bench, a former Tar Heel who um, certainly knows the Carolina program, with Jeff Capel being somebody who has played against Carolina, that has coached against Carolina many times at different stops, um, and just the Capels in general being around the ACC for as long as they have. Um, and Tim O'Toole, a former Duke assistant coach on their staff. I mean, they, they've got a, a rich history with the area, with the uh, league, with with uh, either directly or tangentially with Carolina. So I, I think they, they do a good job uh, scouting, and again, they're good coaches. And so uh, to me, it is a frustrating stretch, certainly for Carolina, in this stretch of games against Pitt, but it's not just, oh, Carolina didn't do this. Some of it was Pitt did this to help themselves win. Right, They've, they've definitely perfected the extra pass inside the paint. Uh, one one of the you know one of the th- the stats at the end of the game that kind of uh, surprised me was uh, how close points of the paint were. I mean, Carolina still won the battle and with points of the paint, but they scored a lot inside. Yeah, well, they do it in different ways, right? I mean, Carolina does it more than Pitt by entering entering into the post to Baycott. Pitt's number one uh, offensive uh, goal is to penetrate 
with the dribble into the paint. I mean, that's Burton is an okay three-point shooter, and I think he hit one uh, last night, if I remember correctly. But his game is to get to the mid-range, back you down, be physical with you, and, and try to get that 10- to 12-foot turnaround jump shot that he's really good at. Um, and so those count for paint points, too. Just because they don't have, you know, Eric Montross down there that you're throwing the ball to in the paint and he's turning around for a jump hook, right. that doesn't mean that you don't get paint points in other ways. And so um, they do it, they approach it differently, um, but they are very good at getting high-quality shots. And, and they are a good three-point shooting team. Again, I've seen Pitt twice, and I've been impressed with them both times in person. I mean, that's an NCAA tournament team. Now, having said all that, yeah, Carolina should have won that game. I do think, in total, the Tar Heels are the better team. Uh, obviously, Carolina was playing at home, which is a place that the Tar Heels have been very good. Um, and just the game flow of that game, um, Carolina was up six or eight there in the middle of the second half, which, when that's the case, you feel like you have a decent chance to win. And so, um, and Carolina was up one with the ball with 45 seconds left. And so when, when you consider all those factors as well, Carolina should, in my opinion, have won the game. But I want to make it clear that Pitt is a good team as well, and they're going to try and win it too. And and they certainly made some plays at the right time to make it happen last night. Right, timely timely shooting from Nellie Cummings really yeah. erased that uh, that six point lead that we had uh, there in the second half. And uh, you know he had five out of six from long range last night. So I mean it was it, it was a well rounded performance from Pitt, and you you know you got to give them their due. Obviously, they've come in now three times and beating the Tar Heels uh, in a row on their home floor. Yeah, and just the third team to do that. Duke had a four-game winning streak uh, from 99 to 02. Of course, there were some uh, lean years in there for the Tar Heels, and uh, Wake had a three-game win streak from 02 to 04, I believe, um, in Chapel Hill. So, uh, yeah, that is an unusual occurrence, and, and that both speaks to, of course, the uh, long-term excellence of Carolina and um, just how difficult a feat it is for Pitt. Now, having said all that, you know, and, and I understand why there's being a lot made of uh, the fact that Pitt has won several games, five out of the last six, which is a big number, against Carolina. Um, I, I do think some of those are different. You know, the first two of those were during the season where Carolina wasn't very good in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, last year's game was kind of a I don't want to say a fluke, but that was an odd game. Um, to me, the much bigger story from the Pitt perspective is this particular team, because I think this particular Pitt team is a very good one. Um, and, again, credit to them. They have not just beaten Carolina twice, um, but Miami and Virginia. And that they've, they've been right there with the teams that are at the top of the ACC, and that's why now they are one of those teams that is uh, at the top of the ACC. And uh, they've got a really good squad that has a chance – you look at their schedule, they play Louisville again, they play Georgia Tech again, they play Boston College again, they play Notre Dame, they play Florida State. Those are still games on their schedule um, that are all very winnable for them. So they are going to be right there at the end, uh, one of the top couple teams uh, in the league when it's all said and done at the end of this year. Well, speaking of schedules, we've got to look ahead to the next game for the Tar Heels, and it's going to be Saturday evening. 6.30 right here on ESPN Asheville. It's the Duke game. We're at Cameron Indoor for this one. And, you know, it's probably the most muted Carolina Duke game I can remember. Yeah, and you know why, Tank? I, I think it's because nobody knows what to expect, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's not because 
they think these that it's not going to be a great game or they don't understand the history, it's a fresh start in this series. Um, and that's why that's part of the reason why those wins at the end of last year were so sweet for the Tar Heels. They're sweet because you won in Cameron, and as, that's hard to do. And as Carolina, that's, uh, that's always exciting. Um, you won in the Final Four, which, of course, you're trying to win that game if you've gotten uh, that close to the title, right. uh, plus the fact that it was Duke. We know all of that. But it also very definitively closed a, a chapter, and probably the, the uh, most impactful chapter, at least up to this point in time, of the Carolina-Duke rivalry and of, of Duke basketball, and it closed that chapter. And so that, that's what made um, those wins on top of all the other things, that's what made them so extra sweet uh, for Carolina fans and for Carolina. Um, and so you, you have this whole new start, and, and you know, Hubert Davis is still, and John Shire, but, you know, relatively young head coaches, both in age and in their tenures, um, you know that uh, these two programs are excellent, but you've never seen uh, these two head coaches go against one another before. Um, certainly both these teams um, have solid squads, but have not had dominant seasons to this point. They've had great moments, but not uh, dominant consistency like we've seen them have uh, many times in the past. And so I just think there's a lot more unknown about this game than there traditionally is. Um, but on Saturday evening, uh, I promise a lot of those feelings are going to come rushing back, no matter which side you cheer for, because um, Carolina Duke uh, transcends coaches, it transcends players, it is about these two excellent programs that have done it for so long, that win championships, that are so close together, all the things we know. And so um, it's it uh, it's always exciting when they get together, and, and Saturday's not going to be any different. I would really love to know the stat, like how many times Duke and Carolina have met each other with, uh, uh, what, 13 losses between the two of them? Because those, those times don't happen very much. Yeah, well, and but you know what, Tank? Both times they met in the 2021 season, two years ago, they both teams were unranked. Uh, Duke didn't make the tournament that year. Carolina lost in the first round. Um, and what that also speaks to is that college basketball is different now. Um, the, the transfer portal in particular has made, has spread out the talent more than ever before. And the best teams in college basketball, in my mind, and the champions of the last 10 to 12 years have told you this, are the ones that have older players that are, of course, talented. That doesn't mean you can't do it um, with really good young players, um, but it has shown us over the last several years that it's teams that have older, talented guys um, that are the ones that are tending to win. I bring that up because obviously Carolina and Duke, and, and Carolina is an old, talented team this year, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but Carolina and Duke um, recruited at a high level. They bring in uh, guys who traditionally, uh, particularly Duke more so than Carolina, but it, this I think applies to Carolina some too, guys who don't often stay all four years. And again, I understand Carolina has a veteran group this year. Um, and what you're also seeing is that really good older players that may have been at smaller schools before are now finding their way to power five or power six in college basketball 
teams more easily. And so you're, you're getting a higher rate of older, talented teams at, at more schools. And so it, it's going to continue to be this way. And that doesn't mean that Carolina and Duke aren't going to be at the very top or Kansas or Kentucky or UCLA or Indiana or whoever you think is, is the best of the best consistently. Um, but it, it will not be – you will see other teams, I think, in the mix more often is my point. And so um, that doesn't diminish Carolina and Duke in any way. Um, and it doesn't diminish the game on Saturday. But you know, who's at the top right now? Tay, is it Purdue? I think ranked number one. Yes. Um, you know they've got you know Zach Eady's been there a while. Uh, Houston is uh, is way up there. They've got a lot of older guys. Virginia's having a good year. They've got a lot of older guys. And so um, I, I do think that you'll continue to see that as this year goes on and as the next several years go on. All right, Carolina at Duke. It is going to be. Uh... It's going to be one for the ages, uh, as as they always are. Uh, 6.30, Saturday night, right here on ESPN. Ashley will hear uh, Jones and the rest of the crew on the call. Jones, we appreciate you taking out the time for us, bud. You know it, Tank. Talk to you soon. You are in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. At Ingalls, whether we're celebrating Friday night rivals, televising college basketball games, bringing the fan fest to semi-pro soccer, or taking you out to the ball game at your minor league park, it's all in the bag. Ingalls, low prices, love the savings. Tired of getting dinged by monthly fees on your checking account? You need simple checking from Home Trust Bank. With simple checking, you get all the essential checking services for free, including 100% online access and a free Visa debit card. It's everything you need from a checking account, but no hoops, no surprises, no monthly fees. Stop by today or call 800-627-1632. Simple checking at Home Trust. Ready for what's next. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. When I finally drove the old car into the grave, I knew there was only one place I was going to go. Fred Anderson Nissan of Asheville, home of the family plan. And yes, they treat you like family. I went in, told them what I was looking for, told them my budget, and in no time, I was signing the paperwork on my certified pre-owned vehicle. They have the area's largest selection on quality pre-owned vehicles and certified Nissans. They go through a 167-point inspection, so you know it's not going to let you down. They gave me the Carfax report, so I know the history of my vehicle. And the Fred Anderson family plan gives me things like oil changes and car washes and loaner cars if I have to have major work done on the car in the future. For me, buying a car has always been an intimidating thought. But the folks at Fred Anderson Nissan of Asheville made it super easy. Don't be like me. Don't wait till the last minute to get a deal done. Go to AndersonNissan.com or stop by the showroom at 629 Brevard Road. And don't forget to mention we sent you from the Sportsocracy and get a $250 bonus on your trade-in at Fred Anderson Nissan of Asheville. The Sportsocracy. What are you people? On dope? Back at the Ingalls studio on ESPN Asheville. Interesting story. So apparently while I was talking with Jones Angel in that last segment, Jeremy was talking to birds. A little birdie flew in here and told me (laughs) a little little scuttlebutt that has been flying around Mobile, Alabama. Oh. This gets a little, uh, this gets a little deep. Okay. So apparently when... Ajira Vero interviewed for the Denver Broncos job. Mm-hmm. The reason that they didn't really consider him 
is because he absolutely eviscerated Russell Wilson in his interview. Did he really? And I'm talking, it was bad. Like, to the point of he walked out of a room and they went, well, that's not the guy. Uh, we're going to just let him walk out the door because there is no putting him and Russell Wilson in the same room. Wow. But I'm not done. Apparently, we discussed the dynamic between Sean Payton and George Payton. Yes. It is apparently, and this is a direct quote, the worst kept secret in the NFL that George Payton will be fired the week after the 2023 NFL draft. And that Sean Payton is going to place his own general manager with the Denver Broncos, and it might just be himself. I'll be honest with you, it it doesn't surprise me. I didn't really think about it, to be honest with you. But it does lend itself to many things that I heard leading up to this process of – and if you remember, the tweet did not say that he had a problem with ownership. That's Mm -hmm. what everybody made it out to be. It was that he was afraid there would be a power struggle. And if you notice, when Sean Payton responded, he said, no, ownership was great. Mm-hmm. That's not what we said, Sean. You answered a question we didn't ask. And he also, uh, I mean, makes it quite clear, there will not be a power struggle. No, Sean Payton is the, uh, right. is the power struggle. Right. And so that makes a lot of things make quite a bit more sense. I also did not know that Ajira Averro and Nathaniel Hackett were college roommates. I didn't know that either. I did not know that. Hmm. Frankly, I thought Ajira Averro was a lot younger than Nathaniel Hackett. But that is an interesting little tidbit. There is a little rumor that if Ajira Averro doesn't get one of these defensive coordinator jobs, he could end up on the staff of the New York Jets. The New York Jets. Jets. Now that's unlikely be because he is considered a favorite to get uh, to get one of these defensive coordinator jobs. But say. apparently, the, the where all of this started, and I was we were just texting back and forth while you were uh, talking to Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not just sitting here playing Candy Crush while he's doing that. I'm not a very skilled interviewer, so we let Tank. It's, Tank's good at that. I'm not. I'm an opinion guy. Uh, so the thought is that 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 Ajira Averro has interviewed for a lot of these jobs. He's apparently come off a little crass okay. in some of these interviews, and that might be why some of these teams are I – mean, I couldn't figure out why nobody was hiring him. I think he's a very bright young guy, and he's got a great future in this league. And basically what I was told is this is his first time through the cycle. It shows, and he needs to be attached to a smart, probably young coach that went through this a few times mm-hmm. that can show him the ropes. One of the things that you learn with with head coach interviews, honesty is a great policy, but there is a thing called too honest. Yes, and that is what it seems to be. That that seems to be one of the issues with him. Yeah, I also feel like for if me, you're... of all the issues you could possibly have, you're shooting me too straight. I'm in. Let's do that. I want that guy. Don't feel like the uh, the the way to get the job though with your current employer is to rip apart the star of your team well apparently he defended nathaniel hackett too well, said this was not nathaniel hackett's fault this is all russell wilson there were there are a lot of words thrown around that i'm not gonna say on this show a couple of them because i can't interesting uh, but but so from uh, according to one of my sources it does appear that russell wilson was a 
serious egomaniac to a uh, probably to a higher level than we even knew. Right. And and Ajira Avero was not exactly feeling warm and fuzzy about working with him. You are in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. Let's get weird. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. I've got children. Jeremy, you have children. Correct. You know, being a dad is is one of the coolest things on the planet. The question for me becomes, is is it something that you can do way too many times where it just completely loses its luster? Nick Cannon. Well, there's a guy in... I, I didn't even hear the end of what you said. I just Is it something you can do way too many times? <laughs> Nick Cannon, yes. Uh, well, there's a guy in Uganda um, who puts Nick Cannon to shame. That would be hard to do. Musa Hasaya Kassara has made a decision. The most important decision of his life. He has decided it is time to stop having children. He is 68 years old. He is divorced and he lives in a van. Sorry. I couldn't <laughs> He lives in a Ugandan village that I cannot pronounce, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But he lives in this Ugandan village that has roughly about 4,000 people living in it. He owns a piece of property that is two acres large. And on it lives his entire brood. He has 12 wives. He has 102 children and 578 grandchildren that's in that's a lot musa says it's time to call it quits he says he's not he's not getting fixed he's not gonna get that taken care of greatest but his day wives, of my entire life <laughs> but his wives are on birth control so that he can no longer sire any more children his children range in ages of 10 to 50 which is pretty large. And again, the majority of them all live on two acres of property, either in the main home, which is a described as a dilapidated uh, uh, house that is uh, has a rusting out tin roof on it, or there are 12 grass thatch huts all around his house where all of his people live. It says, he has a lot of trouble remembering all of his children's names. In fact, he doesn't know all of his children's names. He says he has to rely on his wives to remind him all of their names. He does good just remembering the first and the last born by each wife. Yikes. Yes. I found my story earlier today, and I'm, I'll go ahead and tell you, it has a very sad ending, so... It, this is one of the weirder stories I've ever told on this show. This is from the lovely state of Alabama. It's at a gas station off of Interstate 10 in Mobile, Alabama. If I had gone to the Senior Bowl, I would have been in town while this happened. Tyler Cunningham is in town while this happened. Apparently, someone 
was pumping gas at a gas station in between I-10 and I-65. Okay. While they're pumping gas, they look over in the parking lot and they see something that is quite shocking. It is a severed part of the anatomy of a man. Oh. And is laying in the parking lot. No, sir. Which led me to many questions, this is most just, of which I cannot ask on. This is not a fake. This is real. No, no, no. This is not one you buy. This is one that was actually attached to a person. Wow. So, obviously, as you do, what do you do when you see that in a parking lot? Call 911. 100%, which is what he did. So, he did that. EMTs show up. Police show up. They collect the evidence. I don't know what else they did. And over the course of an hour, they said, well, there was no assault here. There's no murder here. Uh, okay. I feel like that's definitely assault. Well, it was, and I told you this story had a very sad ending. Apparently, there was a motorcycle crash four miles down the road. One car stopped. Uh-huh. It's a man on a motorcycle. His name is Christopher Means. Uh-huh. The appendage was on the front of a truck that pulled in to get gas. <gasps> This is the most gnarly story I've ever heard in my life. Apparently, Alabama State Highway Patrol is trying to get traffic cam footage. Nobody stopped. So this guy gets hit on his motorcycle, and everybody just continues on about their day like nothing has happened. That is the most grotesque thing I think I've ever heard in my life. But meanwhile, his little soldier hitched a ride on a pickup truck? Uh, yep. I mean, I hate to laugh, but... At Sports Tank ESPN, I told the whole story. I didn't laugh once because I'm a better person than Tank. That is bizarre. I just, it's dumbfounded me. Wow. Poor guy. How does nobody stop? I have no idea. I don't one understand. Of, one of my most, uh, one of my longest stories, my father, my father and I both always had fixations with motorcycles. And it was like God told us, don't do this, because every time we got to the point of, I'm going to go buy one, something very bad would happen. Mm -hmm. And so we both just collectively have said, motorcycles are not for us. And the weirdest part of that is, it had just entered my mind again in the last two weeks. Not not if that's a side effect. No, sir. Yep, that's uh, Seacrest out. You are in the sportsocracy, and it is ESPN Asheville. Since man created roads, they've been looking for ways to get off-road and vehicles to take them there. That's where Outlaw Off-Road comes in. A premier off-road center for Jeeps, trucks, and SUVs with a complete lineup of off-road and overland services, including maintenance and repair to make your vehicle all that it can be. Check out their location right here in western North Carolina at 85 Avery Creek Road. Call them today at 828-974-8480 or visit them on the web at theoutlawoffroad.com. Did you know that Ingalls sells more organics than any other grocery store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Hyatt-Zach with EXP Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. 
Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. The Sportsocracy. Ice up, son. Ice up. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. It is a Thursday, and we, we've long lived by the threadbare Thursday rule. You got something you want talked about? You can get it in the YouTube chat. Uh, Tuesday, we will also be bringing back Troll Tuesday, which is that's been requested many times, and we will now officially do it on the ESPN show. Very nice. We will have to censor some of these. Oh, 100%. Never two Ks back-to-back, ever. <laughs> Never is. There, I don't know that that word exists, but if it does, uh, it's not the one you keep saying at me. All right, so Stephen Tal had a Threadbare Thursday topic. Uh, is Chicago letting go of the number one pick because they feel better about Caleb Williams next year? So this has been a – first of all, I love when people think that I say things on this show that I just pulled out of thin air. I don't do that. And and this what I'm here to say is going to make me sound very egotistical. And if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know that, well, I am. This Chicago moving off Justin Fields thing has been talked about for weeks. I didn't just pull that out of thin air. And there's a very simple reason why. Justin Fields has a higher value to other teams than he does to the Bears. Because the Bears have the number one pick. They can do whatever they want to. Mm Mm-hmm. And I keep hearing this, well, Chicago's going to move off one for a king's ransom of picks. Let me say this to you as clearly as I can. No, they're not, because ain't nobody offering it to you. It's not there. It's not there. Can you move off one? Sure. You're going to get about 70% of what you think, because there is no team that I have talked to or anyone that I talk to has talked to that is convinced enough on any of these quarterbacks. The only one they're super convinced on is Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. And the problem with him is that he's so little that if you're wrong, he's going to be hurt constantly. Right. And so you give up that King's ransom of picks, and then you got to spend high on a a backup anyway, and now you're getting into the cap issues. But Stephen brought up a very good point. There are not many teams that are in dire need of a quarterback that don't know – if they don't assess the position, they're not going to be in a position to get one next year because Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Quinn Ewers, all three currently have higher grades than any of the three quarterbacks in this draft. Could that change? Absolutely. It absolutely could. This is the highest extreme of wild card you'll ever see in your life because there's nobody that we all agree on. This is, Well, there's one. Benny's running back. This is the first draft. This is my 12th or 13th year doing this there's no consensus Mm -hmm. there's no consensus on will anderson there's no consensus on jalen carter the quarterbacks are like throwing darts at a board so what has been discussed is ryan poles didn't draft justin fields if he's dead sold on bryce young okay there's also a thought of you do this a year early because chicago's not going to get drastically better they're not. They know that. I know that. You know that. 
any realistic fan knows that. So then it becomes this what that famous phrase that I often say when you hear hoofbeats, it makes a lot more sense to assume horses than zebras. Mm-hmm. If you have two assets, and I can tell you definitively that you're not going to get what you want for one of them. If you sit at one, you're trading Justin Fields because you're taking Bryce Young. You're not taking Will Anderson at one. You're not taking Jalen Carter at one. Nothing else makes any sense. This is reading tea leaves, This and this has been a really popular discussion from what I have been told around Mobile this week. Of Chicago has two very depressed assets that they think are both worth way more than they are. And that's the reason this is so intriguing to people like me. So without a deal in place, they would would they take Bryce Young at one and then just let somebody come get either one of them? To be honest with you, I don't know. What I think would happen is that they would blink. And I've said this for, I've hinted at this for a couple of days, but it got said more forcefully to me last night. If you don't take Bryce Young at one, you could be LMNO fired. Because if he goes to Houston, you add the outside weapon with Quentin Johnston at 12, you get the coach in D'Amico Ryans, you're putting him in better positions because the defense does have good young pieces. You have to remember the aesthetic. Mitch Trubisky is a great example, and trust me, it's one that's been thrown around with Chicago a lot. Mitch Trubisky meant a Pro Bowl. Mitch Trubisky was not a horrible quarterback. The reason you remember him as one a, Matt Nagy was not a great head coach. B, the two quarterbacks taken right after him were Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. That makes you look like an LMNO moron. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you wonder why uh, Ryan Pace got <laughs> That's why. It's not because he missed so aggressively on the quarterback. That team was competitive until they weren't. They were in the playoffs uh, the year before everybody got fired. Right. Barely made it last season. But then you look at the fact you had a generational quarterback go after you. You had another one that may be able to get his career back on track, but he was on the path to generational quarterback, and you traded up for the other guy. It's bad luck. Don't tend to recover from that. And that's what Ryan Poles is looking at right now, going, if I sit here and I stick with Justin Fields, and he flames out in a year, which is entirely possible, well, then I'm going to be picking in the top three, four, five next year anyway. So I could take Caleb Williams if I'm not dead set on Bryce Young. The only problem is that then Justin Fields is worthless. Mm -hmm. I'll be in the same boat the Jets are in that I'm getting a third or a fourth round pick for this player that right now I could get a one then something. (laughs) I don't quite know what that is. A one in a bag of footballs. A one in a conditional three is what I've been told. Okay. But because right now there are teams that buy into Justin Fields. There are teams that think he would be the number one quarterback in this draft class. I ain't one of them. So that's where this is. This is the most blind we've ever been at this point going into a draftmas season. And that is that sets up for a lot of fun. Because usually when that happens, this happened two other times. Not to this extreme. This is the most blind I've ever been. In the two other drafts where we just didn't know what was going to happen, one of them was the Baker Mayfield draft that gave you Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And it was chaos also a lot of really good players that came out of that draft a lot and it wasn't thought to be that high outside of quarterback so that's intriguing to people like me and the teams that that falls directly on are the las vegas raiders the carolina panthers because they think they can sit there and get who they want Mm -hmm. 
what I have heard is Anthony Richards is the one is the one for the writers, and Will Levis is the one for the Panthers. Right. You can do with that information what you will. Several years ago, when I was a uh, much heavier Tank Spencer, I had a lot of back pains, had a lot of issues, just everything, everything hurt, and I was tired all the time, and I just didn't have the energy to do anything about my weight problem. Well, that's when I found uh, PhD weight loss. Things changed. PhD weight loss taught me a better way to live. And in the last year, I've lost 90 pounds. Guess what? I have no more back pains anymore. I have so much more energy to be active and work hard and do the things that I need to do to take care of not only myself, but also my family. I didn't have 90 pounds to lose. I was a a rather active person that in my 30s, I met my soon-to-be wife and well, I became less active. A lot of the hobbies go away. You're not playing pickup basketball anymore, and yet you kept eating the same way you did before, and that leads to you becoming a little doughy. And it didn't. It led to back pain, but the biggest problem with me, I couldn't sleep. I had snoring issues, all kinds of things. Under what, Just over one year on this program with PhD, all of those have gone away, and it's all thanks to the planning program of PhD Weight Loss. PhD Weight Loss will teach you how to eat healthy. They will teach you how to stay away from the things that continue to feed that visceral fat that is making you unhealthy. In one year, I lost 90 pounds. You can have similar results. Go to the, go to myphdweightloss.com today. It's myphdweightloss.com. PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. They are the official partner of the Clemson Tigers. The Ingalls 2023 Southern Conference Downtown Dribble and Kids Fest, presented by Champion Credit Union, will be held Saturday, March 4th, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Roger McGuire Green at Peck Square Park. The Downtown Dribble will feature interactive games, inflatables, pet bands, cheerleaders, and parade. Each participant will receive a basketball, Downtown Dribble t-shirt, and a ticket to the noon session quarterfinal basketball games. Check-in will begin at 9.30 a.m. at Roger McGuire Green. To register, visit downtowndribble.eventbrite.com. Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community, one that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. We're back at the Ingalls studio on ESPN Asheville and Threadbare Thursday topics continuing to uh, roll out here. We've got one from Jonathan Welch. This was asked in the YouTube comments earlier in the program. We've got to go back and, and, and fulfill the need, though, here. He says it's still draft miss season. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, it, it very much is. Uh, the, the Senior Bowl live stream will be tomorrow, by the way. Uh, I totally forgot I had a meeting this morning, which greatly precludes my ability to do those things because I'm the draftmas guy. Ah, the update from the Senior Bowl, yes. Yeah, I can't be in two places at one time. And I don't think you want me to do this from my phone while I'm driving. Yeah, no, that's not a good idea. Uh, but with it being uh, draftmas season and you being the front office-minded uh, genius that you are, Jeremy, uh, not to inflate your ego I was about anymore. to say, genius is probably pushing uh, <laughs> you. Bit, he says, which NFL team will most benefit from their front office this season and why? I mean, I obviously, you look to 
the teams that have drafted well over time. The first one that's coming to my mind is Philadelphia because they have two picks in the first round. They're going to have 30 or 31, and they'll have 10. And in a draft class like this, I feel like they're the team that's going to look around and go, we've got to pay Jalen Hurts, which means we have to be forward-thinking in addressing needs that could come about maybe not this year but next, which is why my pick for them at, at 10 will be just the best defensive player left on the board, whether it's the 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 remaining defensive end or the best corner on the board. It will be one of the two. So I would say Philadelphia. They tend to be very forward-thinking and things like this. Okay. I mean, that roster is phenomenal. Right. Now you just have to keep it together. And this is when it tends to get very hard. Uh, other teams I consider there would be Pittsburgh, Baltimore, um, the Jets and Giants, oddly enough, both came to my mind there. Which is weird because they are two of the more historically bad drafting franchises, but they've been real good in the last couple of years. That's what I, that's what I was going to say. They, they, they've turned things around in the last couple of years to make you believe, uh, especially after after the success of the past draft in the Jets' case, and, well, the Giants as well. They've done pretty well in that scenario. Okay, all right. Uh, the team that's going to have to gasp for air is his fire them cannons, by oh. golly, but more powder than things. There's, there's, there's not much hope there. Uh, ESPN ranked the uh, the 13 quarterback needy teams by from least desirable to most. Mm-hmm. The the Jets were seven, which made me laugh a lot. They were behind the Atlanta Falcons. Yikes! Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a joke. Uh, the Raiders, I laughed at every one of those and went, I don't know how stupid you are, but I know how stupid what you just said is. <laughs> I guess, I mean, was this just based on weapons? It, no, it was based on everything. Oh. And they went as deep as the, they play indoors. Shut up. Uh, look around. The one that really bothered me was Tampa Bay. Uh, that roster is about to get gutted like a catfish. Mm-hmm. That is not the most attractive spot on the board. It is it, no, it's not. I I mean, you got the most attractive set of wide receivers. Oh, and you're tying yourself to Todd Bowles. That, by the way, that would be enough for me. No, thank you. That's that was the and that was when I said no. Top of the third hour of the program comes up after the Sports Center update, and it'll be time for the daily draft. And today's daily draft, well, sometimes you just have to – once you see the direction that the river's flowing in, you just kind of have to float with it. Uh, so all-time greatest quarterbacks. We'll be drafting those next. And since Tanks uh, did the deal with the devil, he gets the first pick so he can take the obvious devil at one. You are in the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. Inside the Ingles studio, we'll be back right after this. He's a degenerate gambler. You are a smelly pirate hooker. And he's cheaper than oxygen. He's useless. But somehow, they make it work. Jeremy Green, Tank Spencer. There's no holding back in the Sportsocracy. Presented by Ingles Supermarkets and Fred Anderson Nissan of Asheville. It is the Sportsocracy, and it is ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sportsocracy, heard everywhere you go on the iHeartRadio app, and you can see us live on your smartphone. 
or your tablet or your computer, whatever. All you got to do is go to YouTube. Go to uh, youtube.com slash thesportocracy. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel so that way you can join us in the chat every day. You can get those alerts whenever we go live. Jeremy planning to do a live stream tomorrow at some point for the uh, Senior Bowl. Just an update on the goings-on down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, just going to let the dogs out because there have been quite a few. There of them. have been a few guys that I'm like, well, you are not exactly who I thought you were. Also on uh, Saturday for the game itself, you'll be doing a live stream with armchair commentary. Uh, yes, game starts at 2.30. Uh, it's one thirty Central Time, so don't get sucked into that. I don't know why they keep putting it up that way and uh, on every site. It's 2.30 here on the old Eastern Time Zone. Uh, so we will kick off about 2 o'clock. Okay. All right. So that will be coming your way on Saturday if you're uh, interested in the Senior Bowl festivities and learning more about all of these guys. Armchair and uh, and Jeremy, they are a great source for getting yourself familiar with the class uh, of the next NFL draft. It is the top of the third hour of the program. And as always, we do the daily draft. Jeremy and I pit our wits against each other, drafting uh, five of whatever we think of that day. Well, I, and I think the, the, uh, the news cycle this week and, and the populace has decided for us today's topic has to be the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, and I've seen a hundred of these lists and I've yet to agree with one of them. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, trust me. As we go along, you'll understand that I feel like this turns into, well, who won the most Super Bowls? Mm -hmm. Stop. To me, there clearly there is clearly a one, clearly a two, clearly a three. Now, from there, it gets a little debatable. But if you're giving me, oh, I don't know. Let me think one off the top of my head. If you're giving me Johnny Unitas, um, I'm going to disagree for the square. Yeah. Or Sammy Ball. Yeah, stop giving me Otto Graham. Fran Tarkenton. But, but Otto Graham was in 10 straight championship games. That's because there yeah, were six in teams in the league. Yeah, there were six <laughs> teams in the league. It's not that hard to get there. Uh, so I will start it off here with the number one pick of today's daily draft. And, and this course. was forced because your team made the deal mm -hmm. in blood mm -hmm. for your one Super Bowl. There's only one. There's only one greatest of all time. And it's Tom Brady, seven Super Bowl championships, and he owns every major record in the NFL. Most wins by a quarterback, uh, most passing yards, most passing touchdowns. He has all of it. 23 years in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Didn't play in one of them. That was his rookie year. Do you know how many times he didn't win 10 games? Oh. Played 22 seasons. I'm going to say twice. It was twice, but there's an asterisk on that. He only played one game in one of those seasons. Oh, the Matt Castle year. He was 9-7 and seven his second year in the league. Won double-digit games every other year of his career. Mm -hmm. Three-time MVP of the league. Seven-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, obviously, he's not the, he's not the leader in MVPs. 
but I feel very certain that nobody's ever going to touch seven Super Bowls by one individual player, or especially a quarterback. And see, to me, it's not as – and I, obviously, I knew you were going to say that. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not as cut and dry on, well, he's just the no-doubt one and everybody else is just dog water. That's one of the things that's been irking me mm-hmm. is, okay, you fell into a – perfect scenario because you were a sixth round pick you were so much better than what everybody thought you were and you had bill and and he did something that i feel like the greatest thing tom brady ever did is the one thing he never gets credit for he never took the most money Mm -hmm. it was always what can i have around me exactly and that to me is what separated him from who i'm going to take and I think he's just nipping on the heels of Tom Brady, and I always have. It's Peyton Manning. Peyton, on the other hand, came into a cult situation where that team was dog water. Uh, today is the anniversary. Uh, it's the 20-year anniversary of our idiot kicker, which is personally one of my favorite moments of all time. When a let's see, at that point he was he had been in the league five or six years. When a quarterback of that stature will go on ABC during the Pro Bowl and say that idiot four times. Oh, yeah. that was the day I went, I can't even hate you. I want to <laughs> hate you, but I can't. Okay. In spite of the fact you spurned my Jets, they're Captain Sixhead, but I feel like that's closer than everybody else makes it out to be. If you take the Super Bowls away, mm-hmm. of which nobody can compete with Tom. No. If you take that away, it's very, very close. And that's the old Charles Barkley argument. I get it. I know what you're getting ready to say. It's just a difference of situation. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning was a great quarterback. And had there never been a Tom Brady, he would be the greatest of all time. Oh, in my and he to was, me, it's no doubt. I, I was going to question your sanity if he was not one of your picks next. I mean, I feel like you would question it too if i didn't take who i'm taking next okay but i mean that was one of the great that's one of the great rivalries in the history of sports mm-hmm. i mean you got in my opinion you got the two best quarterbacks of all the time and they played concurrently they spent what two years in the league without each other mm-hmm. to start and then obviously you had tom lasted tom came in two years later and then somehow lasted up 18 years after peyton manning it's not that many <laughs> well i mean injuries Injuries played a big factor in that, obviously. Cutting uh, Peyton Manning's career short with the neck, he just he just couldn't do it anymore. Well, I mean, Peyton had – I always felt like Peyton did more with less, and then everybody goes to, but Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. All right, finish that argument. Get away from the receivers. Let's talk about everything else he had. Dallas Clark. Uh, yep, that's still a receiver. Mm-hmm. Not really what I was talking about. Oh, what else were you talking Every about? Every other position on the field. Other than pass catchers, what exactly did he have? Uh, Dwight James. Freeney and Edron James, who he had for, what, five years? Marshall Falk. He actually played more games with Joseph Adai than he did with uh, Edron James. It's a handy little stat to pull yeah. out there. I actually didn't know that until I heard somebody else have this argument. So, it's just one of those, I feel like it's closer. Peyton is, and Peyton's starting to get into that. 
are, are we getting to a point where he's more known for being the, the yuckety yuck guy than he is the quarterback? No. Not with people like us. He's becoming so mainstream that I almost feel like that's that pushes the divide a little bit. I know that's a weird thing to say. It but, is a weird thing to say. Well, everybody I've – so every time I've heard this argument, I've heard I, – I was in the car for the first part of the morning and then I was here in the afternoon. So I've heard this conversation all day. They always talk about Peyton being the the funny guy and the he's he's doing all the media stuff now. That should not be in your paragraph about Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. The fact he is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. That's what that should be the the first paragraph. As I will say till my dying day, he's more talented than Tom. All right, Peyton Manning, not a bad number one pick. To me, the second one's just as easy as as the first one was. It's John Elway. Interesting. It's John Elway, it's not even close. Okay. In terms of raw talent, I mean, I know he played in a different time. I get that. The best receivers he ever played with were like Ed McCaffrey and Rod Smith, and that was at the end. John Elway was on some really weird rosters. Mm-hmm. And yet they just found a way to make it work. Where the second most popular player was, uh, well, not counting the Super Bowl years, because you could say Terrell Davis. And Shannon Sharp. And Shannon Sharp. I was going to say, uh, the, the next most popular guy on those teams was Steve Atwater. Yes. Uh, to me, that's the that's one, two, and three. I know the reason that your eyes got big. Of course. Because you left one out. I would argue he may not even be the best quarterback that had his first name, but I might be a little biased there. Don't even try to put them in the same category. Oh, they're totally in the same category. No, they're not. <laughs> That's. I, I'll, I'll, I, I got to use your line. That may be the dumbest thing you've ever said. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. They both won Super Bowls. One of them. How many times did Joe uh, uh, Montana date Marilyn Monroe? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> It's saying what a cultural icon. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I to me, I have John Elway clearly ahead of. Jo- I'm assuming Joe Montana's who of you're looking. Of course. Looking yeah, I look at what they had around them mm-hmm. and go, oh, that's not even close. You got Jerry Rice. He got Ed McCaffrey. There is a big old difference there. Yeah, the fact that uh, John Elway was able to end his career with back-to-back Super Bowls. And I hated the Broncos back then. I'm not going to lie to you. Did you? Oh, I well, they knocked my Jets out. Ah. So, because that's back when the Jets were actually good. Oh, okay. Man, that feels like a long time ago. <laughs> I, I love John Elway because he never knocked my team out of the playoffs because we never made the playoffs. Uh, the last time I cried at a sporting event was uh, when John Elway beat us in the AFC Championship game for his second Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That was that was the day my soul died. I remember it. I remember it well. It, John Elway has one of the one of the best walk off stories. Oh, no doubt. In all, in, and, and in all now sports. that's where I was headed with that. And now, in hindsight, I'm glad he won those two. Because if it wasn't for those, he would be looked at like somebody else that I feel like we're going to have to take reasonably soon. Yes. And it irks me that that guy would have been my four. Mm-hmm. I'd have him over Montana. Wow. Because I look at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. See, when I do this, I go, if I dropped you onto the other nine teams on this list, what are you going to look like? Manning.
thing in LA I think would have been better than Brady in any other situation. I'm feeling the perfect situation. I can't argue with him at, at one. Mm-hmm. Do I think he would have worked everywhere? No, I don't. And he almost didn't work in New England. All right, so my next pick, it's quite obvious that I'm going to go with the four-time Super Bowl winner, 4-0 and in Super Bowl championships. It's, John, it's Joe Montana. The other thing that hurts Montana to me is that Steve Young came in behind him and uh, didn't really miss a beat. Uh, still fantastic. Still in NFC Championship games. Mm-hmm. Now, he was not as good in big games. I, I get it. I'm right. not saying the two are the same. Right. I'm saying, uh, what happened to the Dolphins when Dan Marino went away? But to you, there's a whole lot of Jay Fiedler. Sure. And but to you, Joe Montana, you couldn't have put him on any other team and made that work. You don't think he would have been a four-time Super Bowl champion? Not to the same. Not to the same way. I would go with. To me, the the four greatest, most talented yada 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 quarterbacks of all time: Brady one, Peyton a close two, Elway a slightly distant third, and then Marino's fourth. And there is no penetrating that. Montana, I just look around and go, man, you had some really good defenses. You had one of the best uh, head coaches of all time. I know Marino had Chula. I, mm-hmm. I get it. But I, I just, if it's compa- if it's straight comparison, yeah, I'm going Marino. Wow. That is, that is shocking to me, and I feel <laughs> that, like. And it won't be the most shocking thing I say in this segment. <laughs> I guarantee it. And I feel like. You gave me one and two, my one and two, and uh, I feel like I've already won this thing. Yeah, I disagree greatly. <laughs> you would have taken Montana over Peyton. No. You're, I was about to say, then you were intoxicated. He would have been three. He would have been my three. Montana would probably be my f- five. Is that just because you missed it? No. Okay. I missed most of Elway, too. Elway retired. I was 11 years old. Yeah, it's very true. I, we just, you know, you often find these stories, and I'm sure there, there, there may be some uh, older gentleman that's listening and heard us talking about Otto Graham and the same thing. And went, oh, you just don't understand because you didn't see it. That's kind of how I feel when young people, people younger than me, because which I'm right, talk about Joe Montana of yeah, you just. You just didn't get it. No, for me, he it was took the, over the league. For me, it was the surrounding cast. I, I always said that with Bill Walsh doing what he was doing personnel-wise, I'm not sure that there weren't 20 quarterbacks in that league that could have played with that team and won Super Bowls. I'm not saying they would have done it to the level of Joe. Mm-hmm. That's not the. That's what everybody makes it. Is well, you're just saying that that's the only reason. No, that's not what I'm saying. If that's what I was saying, that's what I would have said, but I didn't because it's not. I, ju- I, I look at those things. And for me, that's the reason that I can't. Uh, oh, oh, the next. And it and it also here's the thing: you only got one pick, so you can only take one of the three that I've got in the next tier. Yeah, and there's one of them that is going to make you say words <laughs> that I hope are not obscenities. Uh, there was there was no better clutch performer like Joe Montana back in the '80s. It was just it was it was a different kind of an animal to watch and. He is uh, he is on my list here. Obviously, he's my number two greatest quarterback of all time. We will have I'll have my third pick coming up 
when we get back from the break here on ESPN Asheville. Since man created roads, they've been looking for ways to get off-road and vehicles to take them there. That's where Outlaw Off-Road comes in. A premier off-road center for Jeeps, trucks, and SUVs with a complete lineup of off-road and overland services, including maintenance and repair to make your vehicle all that it can be. Check out their location right here in Western North Carolina at 85 Avery Creek Road. Call them today at 828-974-8480 or visit them on the web at theoutlawoffroad.com. I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Hyatt-Zach with eXp Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. It's time to discover the convenience and time savings of contact-free pickup with Ingalls Curbside. Just visit shop.ingles-markets.com or download the app. And your Ingalls personal shopper gets to work with specialized training on how to select the freshest items for a pre-scheduled pickup. They'll even text you with updates. You pull up to a designated space and your personal shopper delivers your items right to your vehicle. Fresh, fast, and affordable. It's all in the bag. Ingalls. Low prices. Love the savings. Welcome back into the Sportsocracy. We are live in the Ingalls studio, as always, here on ESPN Asheville in the middle of the daily draft, and everybody else seems to be doing the list, too, so here we are. We felt like we would join the trend. Tagging along. All-time quarterbacks. Greatest of all-time quarterbacks, obviously, it all had to start with number one. It was Tom Brady. It's not even close. His, his, his storied career coming to an end for good hopefully this past week that was my number one pick then jeremy goes peyton manning then surprisingly took john elway then i got joe montana so i feel like i'm i've already got a leg up on you on this one i don't because i got the two goats and you worry way too much about rings to me it's it's not it's not just a rings thing yeah it is Uh, there's no way you can look at those two players and go arm talent Uh, i mean i go all the way down the list there's absolutely no way you're looking at me saying six one joe montana that had the greatest receiver that ever lived was better than john elway now you want to take the rings argument more power to you Mm -hmm. that's a team thing as much as it is an individual thing to me that's why i differentiate them you give me anything else, I will laugh until it hurts me. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, John Elway's probably the only player that played before about, I'll say the year I was born, 87. Okay. The only player that I've ever seen that I look at and go, if you had been dropped in 2022, you'd still be fine. Joe Montana just wouldn't work in today's NFL? <sighs> I I don't know. I'm not saying he would have been Colt McCoy. I'm saying would he have been on this list in another era? John Elway is a definitive yes, and the guy I'm pretty sure you're getting ready to take since I just walked into it, Mm -hmm. uh, he would be a yes for me too, even though he couldn't outrun me. Well, uh, my next pick is the one, the only, 
Dan Constantine Marino Jr. Is that his middle that name? That is his middle name. I was I had to throw that it out there because phenomenal. I did not know that because <laughs> I I just learned that to, I was today years old when I found that out that his real name is Daniel Constantine Marino Jr. But yeah, I mean Dan Marino, he is the greatest of all time not to win a ring. And that leads me into our uh, our first super chat of the day. Well, that's not how that was supposed to go. Uh, it's from Gage Campbell. It said, big difference between greatest of all time and most talented of all time. That's an ironic way of putting that because I think I go most talented of all time. Mm-hmm. And he goes greatest. Yes. Full picture. Mine is if I took a a, a blank team, a, a top eight roster in your era and dropped you into it, how many Super Bowls are you winning? Mm-hmm. Because two of my top four never played with elite receivers. Ever. And Dan Marino's one of those. Oh, that's who I was talking about. Right, Marino Dan, and Peyton. Yeah. Or Marino and uh, John Elway, excuse me. I was getting ready to say Peyton. Uh, yeah, Peyton did fine. He had a few. Uh, Dan Marino, though, I, I mean, the fact that he was able to put up the kind of stats that he put up with guys like uh, Mark. Uh, Duper and Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, yeah. and he only had them for a couple of years. Right. Then it got very OJ McDuffie. But still, every year, I mean, he's he's up either leading the league or close to leading the league in passing, uh, passing touchdowns. He had the record for a long time before Peyton Manning broke that record. He had, you know, he only had one MVP and only had one trip to a Super Bowl. And that's the one thing that everybody looks at him and goes, ah, see, you can't really include him in these conversations. You and absolutely can. Absolutely you can. Uh, the deficiencies of his front office were not his. The arm was yeah, just intoxicating. Mm-hmm. As, I, and I mean, he was I so remember- smart. I remember him, and that was even on the backside of his career. And the fake spikes, one of my first memories as a, mm-hmm. as a, little, as a wee little Jets fan. I can remember watching, uh, you know, Miami Dolphins. I didn't watch Miami Dolphins games, but I was, of course, you know, watching uh, watching the NFL back as a seven, eight-year-old kid going, holy cow, that guy throws far. <laughs> Somebody said they one of the things that they wanted, uh, they wanted to return for the Pro Bowl games was the long throw competition. Yeah, you'll never see that again. Yeah, no. You'll never see that again. But Dan Marino's one that I would put up against anybody all time when it comes to arm strength. I have three names, and I have to figure out which two I have to take because you will take them if I don't. Okay. So I'm going to take a risk. Mm-hmm. My first one is Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Would you have taken him had I not? Yes. Okay. Makes me feel like I've done this correctly so far, which is good because it's the, two, the it's the two remaining that I'm going. I don't want you to have either of them, and there's one I don't think you're going to take. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, and Gage said it in our YouTube chat. He has to be top five all time in, in all time talent. He is, and it's not even debatable mm-hmm. to me. <sighs> Arm strength, decision making, all those things. It's just. I, th- I think the one thing he'll get knocked for now is uh, is the end, the end of his career. Although there's a second act to coming. 
Start spreading the news. Sorry. You know what? I've stared at this for so long, and now I've realized that there's one of these names that I don't care if you get them or not. Okay. And you're going to laugh when I say this. Okay. It's Patrick Mahomes. I would take him at seven right now. Okay. Because there's a name I know you're going to take, and I've stared at it, and I've gone, yeah, you know, I I don't want Tank to get him. And then I realized, oh, wait, there's, there's two other guys that I would lump right with him. So I don't care. Mm-hmm. And now is this a future projection? Sure. I could say he's right here if he never played another down. Yeah. He's gone to five AFC championship games in a row in the most competitive conference in NFL history. I, I mean, I get it. It's 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 great. It's awesome. Nobody's ever done it before. Nobody's put up the kind of stats that he's put up. Oh, in by five the way, years. nobody will ever do it again. Ever. Yeah, I don't know about that. I wouldn't hold my breath. Let me put it that way. I really, I, I, I really can't say so. I, I don't know if any, if nobody's ever going to do it again. The thing is, nobody's ever done it before, and that's what's important to the conversation. You know, the first couple of years he was starting in this league, and w- everybody started this discussion of, oh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Two years in, like, come Ask, on. Uh, uh, all right, I'm curious. If Patrick Mahomes got abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. One week from Tuesday, mm-hmm. next Tuesday, and he's got two Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. See a first ballot Hall of Famer right now? Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yes, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. At twenty six years old, mm-hmm. the start of his that's career. what broke me because yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. That's the one I thought I could have pushed off, and I went. You know what? I'd rather have him than the other name, and you may not take him. Yeah, the start of his career has been so fantastic that you just can't deny him. You can't deny him. Nobody's ever done what Patrick Mahomes has done already, which makes me think he's got to be on this list. Would you have taken him if I didn't? Of course. That's okay. He would have been my last pick, probably. All right, I'm curious who the next two are. Well... Because there's one that I have written down here. It's who I was going to take first. And then I went, you know, I don't know that I care. Who you were going to take first? I'll, who I was going to take ahead of Mahomes and Aaron oh, Rodgers. Oh, oh, I thought you were meaning number one no, no, overall. No, 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 no. I was like, we, we haven't left a name out there like that. No, this was the first name I wrote down, and then I looked at the other two long enough and went, nope, going with that. Let's do that. Hmm. Okay. Um. Well, I was always a big fan of of the shorter guys and drew Brees, that's the name drew Brees has got to be on the list that's the one and then i realized you know what i don't care if you take him or not i love drew Brees. Mm -hmm. i look at drew Brees as a really poor man's version of tom brady you got dropped into the perfect system and you were great at it i'm gonna Mm -hmm. level with you about something and you're gonna say you're stupid and i'm not Mm mm-hmm statistically statistically Mm -hmm. there's not a copious difference between drew Brees and chad pennington except how many times they threw it's i'm telling you it's true give it to me 
I mean, I don't have it pulled up well, at this God, point. I mean, that's a handy piece of information to have. I mean, if you're going to drop a bomb on us, like, oh, Drew Brees is just Chad Pennington, we're going to need some uh, proof I said of there that. wasn't a copious difference between the two. <laughs> I would say uh, there's a 100% a copious difference between the two of them. One of them did it for much, much longer. No, and, one of them was much better of, at what they did. Yeah. I'm just, I look at Drew Brees and go, that was that was a perfect storm of things and the thing i can't unsee is how bad he was for five years in san diego and it's yeah. and I, it bad's probably the wrong term Coach. he was bad for th- two of those four years mm-hmm. i can't unsee that yeah you co- went to new orleans and all of a sudden you're a superstar coaching makes a big difference i get it the scheme matters and he fit with what sean payton wanted to do and sean payton was able to get the steal of a lifetime I mean, nobody wanted to touch Drew Brees after the shoulder injury. (laughs) Nick Saban did. Yeah. Medical staff told him a big old nope. (laughs) But nobody wanted to touch him. And Sean Payton brought him in, and they had a hell of a run together. And you talk about a guy who didn't have a a copious amount of weapons to work with. I mean, this guy made Marquez Colston look like a, a number one wide receiver in this league. Did you, did you find it? I, I did. Uh, Pennington was a career 66% completion guy. Uh-huh. Drew Brees was 67 and a half. Uh-huh. Two to one touchdown to interception ratio. Mm-hmm. Brees threw four times more passes. Mm-hmm. Analytically, I can draw this. I can pull the string from one side <laughs> to the other. No, okay. Right. I, and look, I'm not telling you that they're the same guy. I'm not telling you their career was the same. It wasn't. I was gonna say, are you playing that? Are you playing that uh, pro football focus or uh, pro football uh, reference game where you like to compare their careers? Yes, yes, yes I am. Yes, he is. Uh, well, the, the, look, my thing with Breeze is you went into a pass happy offense and you did. All right, this is gonna be an unpopular opinion. I think Chad Pennington made Drew Breeze because I feel like Sean Payton and New Orleans watched what he did and went, I can work with that. Chad never threw the ball more than 15, 20 yards downfield. Secret time, Drew Brees didn't do it a lot either. Mm-hmm. It was a whole lot of safe throws, move the chains, keep going. He just did it way more often. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I don't think Drew Brees would have worked everywhere. Yeah. That was where that fell apart for me. I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, and Drew Brees going, you know, one of these does not follow my drafting mantra, and so I'm not going to. All right, now is. This is where it gets hard. Now is where it gets, it gets a little difficult. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw one out there I, I, because. Oh, is, is it, has he got a spicy one? I it, It's not really spicy, but he's. He's always on these lists, and I think it was because he was so, he he was so much not saying that he wasn't a great quarterback because he obviously was, but when you factor into leadership, winning, all of the things, Roger Stallback, I mean, he was the poster child for an NFL quarterback in the 1970s. I get it was a different time. 
could you take Roger Stahl back and drop him into today's game and him be considered an all-time great? Eh, probably not. Did a lot of it have to do with the weapons that he had around him, the team that was assembled around him? This was the birth of America's team and all of that. Yeah, I think he deserves to be on an all-time greatest list. All right. Well, that made mine. And since you took the young gun in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that, 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 you, okay. Uh, If we're going to go older, guys, when you said older, I went, well, there's only one name you could really be saying here. It's Johnny Unitas. So I'll take him with my last pick because that keeps me from taking Brett Favre, which I was about to. See, I can't, I, I can't in good conscience take Brett Favre because of all of the mistakes. Like the fact that you were you you were the all time leader in interceptions, I know it's the gunslinger mentality, and that was just the way he played the game with some you know reckless abandon and all that kind of stuff. But I just don't I can't put Brett Favre on a greatest of all time list. I didn't want to, so you took a, a an a, an older era guy, and so I got the best one. Wow, you you, you took it back another notch. I, I did. Hey, you went older. I thought we were going, you know, Super Bowl-ish era, the newer. You didn't qualify. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. I'm okay. not saying you did it wrong. Okay. All right, I'm all right. just saying, well, I mean, I am saying you did it wrong because you took the wrong guy if you're going to go to that era. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to do that, then it was easy for me to just go, okay, Johnny, you. Done. Yep. End the message, repeat the line. Yep. Good. Uh, Eric Miller says, Tank, you lost so bad and you got Brady. That's not even kind of close to true. I, I, I tend to agree. <laughs> I actually think you lost at Roger Staubach. No. That's where it went. Oh. No. You're, you're a rings guy. I'm not. You're in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. When we come back, it'll be time for the most important message of the day. Our communities are filled with wonderful people who make living here great. At Home Trust Bank, we're proud of that. And that's why we focus on helping homeowners prepare for what's next. Our local mortgage bankers have the experience you need and exceptional personal service you'll appreciate. Home Trust Bank is ready to help make a house your home when it's time to buy. Visit your local Home Trust branch or go to htb.com forward slash mortgage. If cleanliness is next to godliness, look around the car right now. Is that very godly? Look, life comes at you fast, but so does WNC Auto Detailing. They have the tools to make your interior look like it's coming off the showroom floor. You don't believe me? Check them out on Instagram. All that filth and years of stains disappear. WNC Auto Detailing does full interior and exterior details with paint correction, and they do wax and ceramic coatings. Call WNC Auto Detailing at 455-3700. Premium care with a Southern hospitality touch. Everyone's heard about the housing market and this being the best time to sell a house in years but the same thing applies to cars whether you're looking to buy a car trade in or sell that car in the driveway collecting dust fred anderson nissan of Asheville wants to buy your car they have two on-site managers that work with kelly blue book to give you top dollar for your vehicle you can even have your car appraised instantly at AndersonNissan.com. stop in and visit them today at 629 brevard road nashville or call them at 828-365-1663 Most important message of the daytime. Don't do crimes. Yeah, and uh, we're going to go to Lincoln, Nebraska for this story, where uh, uh, apparently there, you know, there's just not a lot to do in Lincoln, Nebraska. We, we all know this. 
And they apparently have uh, some people who choose to spend their time stealing very weird things. Because a woman has been arrested um, after, well, she was a routine thief at the Burger King. One of the Burger Kings, I guess, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, Security video has caught her several times stealing toilet paper out of the bathroom. The last time she went in there, she stole something different than the toilet paper. And this is where it gets very, very weird. So security video showed the woman going into the bathroom and then leaving with a strange bulge in her pants. And after she left, they went in to check after her to see just what was the matter. She had apparently stolen the pipes from behind the toilet. And then shoved them in her pants. That's a bold strategy. Uh, it, it, yeah, I, I can't give you any specific reason for this. It wasn't they, they're not reported as like copper pipes or anything. So I don't know that there was money on the other side of this. Maybe she was just she was she went in to steal the toilet paper. There wasn't enough toilet paper to steal, so she went screw you. I'm taking the pipes. You won't be able to use your toilet anymore. Police looking for clues or for tips onto the identity of said woman. She obviously has not been back since stealing the pipes, and this story hit the uh, news wires. But uh, police in Lincoln, Nebraska, also looking for a red pickup truck that was caught on December the 27th driving off with the wall panels of a walk-in cooler from a local business. You do stuff different in Nebraska. Right. My story is about a man named Kevin Justin Mayorga. When you use somebody's full name, you know they did crimes. Mm -hmm. Police were called to a residence where Mr. Mayorga was occupying the dwelling. The call was from neighbors who heard a domestic dispute going on in the dwelling. So cops show up. He barricades him and a woman inside the house. Well, one way or another, cops get in the house because the woman is heard screaming, just kick the door in. Well, obviously there had been some kind of fight. There were scratches on the face of both of these people. That's not why I'm telling the story. Mr. Myergo was arrested after this, and the charges were false imprisonment, resisting arrest, and he was held on a $15,000 bond. But there was another charge that kind of caught my eye. And as I read the story, I saw why. Cops break into the house. Mr. Mayorga will not comply with their commands. So they use a taser on him. Taser doesn't work. He barricades himself and the woman in another room. They bust through that door. Mm -hmm. They tase him again, which also does not work which leads to a fight with police, and at one point he hit a cop in the eye with a handcuff. Finally, they subdue him, and they're looking through the house to see if there's any evidence that they can find. And they find a snake that is missing its head. Apparently, this snake was a, it was a ball python, and it was the pet of the woman Whose home this was. Uh And in the midst of the argument, he bit its head off. Oh. What? Wow. First of all, 
you are not super bright. Just I'm just throwing, I don't know you, but this one story is enough for me to go, you are not a rocket surgeon. Two, you are a horrible person. Just a genuinely god-awful person. Not only do you get into a domestic disturbance, but you kill her. You kill the woman snake. Right. Bit it off. <laughs> Yikes. That's hardcore. You're the bad guy in a story about a woman with a snake. I want you to think about what I just said. <laughs> it's probably because so, she put out too many cigarettes on his couch. That's, I'm telling you, that's one of my lifelong pieces of advice. Always question yourself when it's a woman with a snake. Some of them are great. Some of them might let the snake eat you. Mm -hmm. News out of Philadelphia today. Some Philly area schools are going to be opening late on Monday morning after the Super Bowl. The uh, Gloucester School District in Gloucester City, New Jersey. says they're going to be on a two-hour delay on Monday so that families can have enough time to recuperate from the celebrations or or lack thereof, after the Super Bowl. I mean, that should give you ample time to stop crying. After Patrick Mahomes just absolutely bludgeoned you. Yeah, I don't I don't see that going that way. But, okay, uh, anyway. Julian Love of the New York Giants, he does. Oh, I, I thought that was hilarious. Because he thinks any idiot could coach the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, we've long been talking about how Monday after the Super Bowl needs to be a holiday, right? I, I don't really understand how it's not a holiday. Well, it's not. We can't get any uh, traction for it at the federal level. Remember, there was a there was a petition years ago for the Obama White House to turn it into a uh, into a holiday nationwide, but didn't get enough signatures on the petition to be recognized or be considered by the White House. So it's on a state level now. And our neighbors to the east, or excuse me, our neighbors to the west, they're getting it right. Tennessee has just introduced a bill that will make Super Bowl Monday a standing state holiday. They are going to ditch Columbus Day, which nobody celebrates anyway. When was the last time somebody said, hey, it's Columbus Day? Uh, I mean, I, I at one point worked for the federal government, so I'm sure I have said that at some point. Usually that was, uh, Columbus Day was pretty common for, hey, we're off uh, on Monday. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what holiday it is, and I don't care because they're paying me for it. But it's Columbus Day, so the bill has been introduced, and we'll see if Tennessee has the state holiday or becomes uh I guess they would be the first. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody else doing this, establishing a state holiday on Super Bowl Monday. We still wouldn't get it off. So we talk yeah, about sports. That's true. We got to come in here and. Oh, darn it. That's fine. I will just tell you since we're hosting a Super Bowl party at the Village Porch, 41 North Merriman Avenue, I would probably set the expectation for Jeremy a little lower. On Super Bowl Monday. <laughs> no, whatever it is you think you're going to get, it's probably going to be even less than that. One thing you can bank on, there will be sunglasses. Oh, beyond even the vaguest shadow of a doubt. You are in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville.
At Ingalls, whether we're celebrating Friday night rivals, televising college basketball games, bringing the fan fest to semi-pro soccer, or taking you out to the ball game at your minor league park, it's all in the bag. Ingalls, low prices, love the savings. Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community, one that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Hyatt-Zach with EXP Realty, your native realtor serving all of Western North Carolina. I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. The sportsocracy. It's horrible. No, you know what that is? That's horror awful. That's horrible and awful mixed together. Horror awful. We're back in the Ingalls studio to wrap things up here. And yes, um, New York Giants safety Julian Love. He's not overly impressed with Nick Sirianni. No, apparently not. Um, now, he did say that Nick's, uh, Nick's fine. As a coach, he did the he did the non-southern equivalent of saying "bless his heart." This is this is very true, very true. So he um, he was talking about uh, on the NFL Network about the Philadelphia Eagles and their amazing roster, and he said that Nick Sirianni is a guy who really is doing a good job. Because he's not getting in the way of his team. Says he has experience on the roster, both offense and defense, and that basically he's along for the free ride. Uh, And then he told the commentators, you could coach that team, and they'd be in the same spot. Ouch. And funny thing, I don't disagree with a word he said. I do not disagree with one word that he said. You could replace him with any coach, and this team would still be in the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, probably not Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I, I don't know that he could have done this. Um, but I've just I, I've never been overly impressed by Sirianni. I think this is a good team. I think you've built a nice little offensive scheme around Jalen Hurts. But at the end of the day, the MVP of this team has – has been and will be Howie Roseman. Mm-hmm. This is what a good scouting department will do. Yep. And to me, this is this is one of those old things I always said about quarterbacks. I care more where you go than a lot of the tape. If I'm grading you as a first-round pick, there's probably 27 places you can succeed. There's five that will break you. And a few others that aren't scheme fits or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think he's a special coach. I think he's done a nice job with a very stacked roster, and much to like Julian Love said, just stayed out of the way. So he's and and you he's deserve NFL, credit for that, by the way. So he's the NFL version of Ryan Day, born on third base. 
That's ex- I, I honestly could not have said that any better. <laughs> you were born on third base. Stop acting like you hit a triple. Right. Well, I mean, he wins the Super Bowl. He can he he can act more like uh, he hit a home run if they're able to come up with the uh, with the win over the Kansas City Chiefs coming up next Sunday, fifty eight six. Yes, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't mean that. Yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. That'll be like 45-13. <laughs> of course, we will have uh, more of our pointed opinions about the Super Bowl coming up in future episodes of the Sportsocracy here over the next week or so. Oh, yeah, I would wager next week's going to get very deep divey on the Super Bowl. 100%. And do not forget to make your plans now to join us at the Village Porch, 41 North Merriman Avenue on Super Bowl Sunday it is going to be a full bar takeover to the point where Jeremy's actually going to be behind the bar serving drinks. Uh, we don't know exactly what time that's going to happen. I haven't asked any questions. They named a drink after me. At this point, you know what? I, I'll be the janitor. I'll mop up after. I don't care. <laughs> so we want all of our friends in the sportsocracy to join us down at the Village Porch, uh, our home for watching football. Only, only fair that we would have our Super Bowl festivities uh, live there in uh, well jeremy's neighborhood where he can crawl home you are in the sportsocracy here on espn Asheville. we'll see you back here tomorrow in the angle studio at three